Hello, America. As you all know, there's an asteroid the size of Maine speeding towards Earth as we speak. I'd like to take a moment out of the day to uh, address the allegations that this is somehow my fault. Firstly, I'd like to say that these allegations are absolutely and 100% false. Secondly, and most importantly, I'd like to say that you motherfuckers disgust me. You goddamn right I said it. If you knew just one of the things I was sworn to secrecy to, you would buckle under the goddamn pressure. Mr. President, Mr. President, like what? How about this? I have here in my hand the cure for AIDS. We've had this for 25 years. Have a great weekend. Did I shock you? Are you crazy yet? usual by Solbro and uh, Neo. So say hello, gentlemen. Hello. What's up, gang? Culture. All right. Uh, this episode, we're not talking about culture. We're going to be uh, first bringing you the long-promised third installment of the anime toilet, which many moons ago we teased would involve Tamino. And it does, in part, because it's a Bison Well toilet, which we'll discuss uh, Tale of Neo Bison Well. Garzi's Wing and Wings of Rian, and it's guaranteed to be absolutely craptastic, <laughs> as you would expect from the anime toilet. And then after that, we're going to take a look at the second episode of the show that doesn't exist, Gundam Unicorn, along with our thoughts that we don't have because we didn't watch it because it doesn't exist. Sure, it's pretty for something that doesn't exist. Yes, so you can look forward to that as well to wash out the, the bad taste of the toilet <laughs> that you got your head dunked into like back in middle school. So, um, going to mix things up a little bit right now because I know that uh, Neo wants to borrow the Straight Talk Express, so as to have uninterrupted Neo's news and Straight Talk Express, I'm just going to do the mailbag right now. Okay. All right. Just to break up your routines and shock everybody. Oh my god. You can't handle change. <laughs> oh my god. What am I going to do? So I'm not ready our, for this. <laughs> our first question in the mailbag comes from a new submitter, Student of B. He says, I'm wondering you guys' opinion on Gendy Tartakovsky's new show on Cartoon Network, Symbionic Titan. The show is an amalgamation of an alien show, mecha, and high school comedy all rolled into one. And especially nice touches in Trotty-sounding villain names, the Mutrotty. I think it's so far up to par with the other excellent works that Gendy has put out, and if nothing else, Brian Posen is hilarious in the show. Have you guys had a chance to check this show yet? I've seen like one episode. I haven't really watched... I haven't watched Cartoon Network that much, but, I mean, his past works are definitely great. But um, I, I liked it. I mean, I just hadn't... I'm sure I'll be able to sit there and watch it because uh, Cartoon Network does sometimes, uh, you know, beat a dead horse when it comes to showing something over and over. But, um, yeah, I, I, th- I, thought it was, I thought it was pretty cool. 
So. Or maybe you won't watch it because sometimes they have a tendency of killing things that are good. That, yeah, that too, yeah. Well, um, believe it or not, I have not been watching a lot of television recently, but I've been hearing a lot of buzz about this show. So, um, and, and I love, I love getting Tart, to, I forget how to say his last name, Tarkovsky? Tartakovsky. Tartakovsky, thank you. But I, I love his work. I, I used to watch Dexter's Laboratory and, um, Samurai Jack and his, his take on Clone Wars was excellent. Um, I, I, I like that a lot better than the current series that's on now. And, um, I've been hearing a lot of good things about the show. I think when the season is over with, I'll probably sit down and watch the whole thing. And just get my get a give a take on it, but um, I am looking forward to seeing it. And um, I'm I'm sorry, I haven't watched it yet. Okay, apologizing as usual wasn't I, necessary. <laughs> wasn't wasn't I don't it wasn't uh, part of the question. But if you want to apologize, then... <laughs> <laughs> I guess I guess he felt he didn't live up to his expectations. I'm sorry, I didn't. I'm not watching TV. Yeah, I have not watched it. I've heard a lot of buzz about it. Also, have not watched Samurai Jack or Clone Wars, but I was a big fan of Dexter Lab back in the day. So. I'll probably check this show out too in the future. So there you go. Maybe we'll talk about it. Who knows? Next question comes from uh, Frizik or Frezik, whatever. He says, Wikipedia has a very poor reputation around mecha fandom. Forgive the loaded question, but do you think this is really Wiki's fault? It tends to have a much better reputation as a secondary source around the hard science and non-controversial history sections. Rather, I suspect the real problem with Wiki's Gundam sections is that the various primary sources, anime, manga, model kits, etc., often contradict each other. Wiki is just a mirror of that basic problem. Anybody? Well, I think this just shows the big problem that we have when it comes to people with Wiki and Wikipedia and stuff like that. Uh, It's not really... uh, It's generated by people on their own, so... um, you know, I would take a lot of the stuff with a grain of salt when it comes to things. Uh, I know just in my everyday life, I hear a lot of people thinking that what they're reading off this is like the God honest truth. And there's been mi- way too many times that it's not. So in, in terms of mecha fandom and stuff like that, um, I don't see how it's not going to, you know, get the same, you know, it's the same treatment. And, you know, I've seen the stuff where, you know, Chris Guanche sucks and this show sucks and all this other stuff. And, but, you know, that's just, you know, evil trolls, and we'll just search them out and destroy them all. So, but, um... I don't know what had to do with trolls, but, uh, Solbro? I know Wikipedia has taken steps to try to uh, make their information that's posted on their website more accurate, but I don't think they really give too much of a damn about um, anime series or, or anything like that. So well, most a, of those, it's got to be it's got to be a daunting task. I mean, really there's a is. lot of information on Wikipedia, and, and, and it's... And when Otaku um, goes with there, writes their own... Um, what they believe to be a accurate uh, description of the show and all its parts. And then another otaku can go up there and try to correct them with a completely different view of it. And every time it changes, you get a different skew. But, you know, all, the sum of its parts can't always be correct due to that. I, I'm, more, I'm more apt to believe a, a, an official, I, I guess, a, a, a description from an official source, the Wikipedia nowadays. I go to Wikipedia for quick information. Um, other than that, I can't really believe things 100% on that website when it comes to shows I haven't seen. That's my point. People, yeah. I, I think people are taking too much credence in what's on Wikipedia because yeah. it's easy to, to, to do. But. I, I love what Wikipedia provides, but at this point, until, until things get more locked down, it's, it's really just a point uh, to, to look at for, for, for quick bits of information, and that's it for me. I think the problem is that um, people view Wikipedia as though it's this monolithic type of thing like you know, oh, it's got some pretty good work on these sections here and on those sections there. And it's like, yeah, but Wikipedia is, you know, millions of people 
throwing a bunch of stuff together. So, you know, just because they may have some good articles on, I don't know, nuclear physics or the history of Britain, you can't expect that that same quality is going to manifest on Gundam articles. And I don't think it's the problem of sources contradicting each other. I think it's the problem that um, you have a lot of people who don't know what they're talking about writing all these articles. And it's very clear. Uh, I've used often an example... um, that comes up because it was so ridiculous. Back when Destiny was on the air, there were these rumors of uh, Durandal getting a Gundam. Right. And that um, it was armed with uh, Zyklon gas generators. <laughs> As in, you know, Zyklon gas from Nazi concentration camps used to gas Jews. Wow. And, and I, forgot what, I forgot what the hell the name of this dumb... It had a name and a fake model number. And some idiot just put it on Wikipedia like... Way to go, buddy. I mean, doesn't that just sound ridiculous on the face of it? Wouldn't you at least wait to confirm it or see a scan or something? You know, um, you have, and I've seen this a lot because I, there were, this was back in the days when there was a lot more material on Wikipedia for Gundam. Mm-hmm. A lot of it is just copied from me. Yeah. You know, I've seen like, um, like way back when uh, the Gundam even pitch. line art at times, wasn't it? Yeah, but line art that's not anything yeah. that I own, so that doesn't really bother me. I, you, know, you can use that yeah. line art. I don't care. You know, but. Um, like the Gundam X page years ago, the description of the story and the setting was completely ripped word for word from my description of the series on the review page. Yeah. Wow. So, you know, and a lot of the mecha profiles were just ripped word for word from MAHQ. So you have people that are just blindly stealing things without giving any credit to where it's due. You have people who don't know what they're talking about either willfully writing these things and not caring or thinking that it's true because they heard it somewhere else and then just putting it up unknowingly. Yeah. And when it comes to like people keeping track of this stuff, uh, when it comes to anime, you've, and I've editorialized about this before, you've got some people who just want to like delete anything anime-related because they think it's not notable. Yeah. But yet there's 10 zillion articles on Wikipedia about everything relating to Star Trek, Star Wars, or The Simpsons. Yeah, exactly. To a ridiculous level of detail that is completely unnecessary, especially since you have separate wikis for Star Trek and for Star Wars and Simpsons. Hell, for Star Trek, you've got a wiki, a very nice one, Memory Alpha, that is Mm -hmm. all devoted to all of the film stuff. Then you have an entirely separate one called Memory Beta that's devoted to all of the unofficial stuff like video games and comics and novels. Wow. You can go to those sources and read all of that junk. Why would you want to why does it need to be on Wikipedia? You know? I think that a lot of the Gundam stuff that's on Wikipedia doesn't even be there. You don't need to read like detailed articles about the Zeta Gundam, you know, like in universe style. That's what Gundam wikis are for. That's what MHQ is for. Mm-hmm. You need a page definitely on the show itself and why it's important and its place in the history of anime, but you don't need to have profiles about every damn mobile suit on Wikipedia. Yeah. So it's just an issue of balance and that people don't know what they're putting on there. It's not the information itself. It's, it's people that are doing it. That's the problem. Yeah. So, so that's my two cents. Uh, next, our question comes from Sakura Angel or Sakura Angel. I don't know. It's all one <laughs> word. Maybe he's trying to be clever. Um, hey, guys. I've been listening Gundam since episode 44, but I hear all the episodes at least twice, episode 54 times. I love the show and make it... Hey, Ray, forget this. I, I, this is not the question I was going to ask. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. It, I, I, I intended to skip this over, but then I scrolled back up. So no no just problem. Del- delete this. You got it. 
Our next question comes from Mula Flaga, who says, Hello, Gundam crew. Got two new small questions to submit and keep the mailbag filled up a little. One. Okay, so this is a little theory of mine, but after watching Gundam 0083 one or two times and all, I know Chris hates Nina with an intense passion. Well, I was wondering, what if Nina suffered from, say, manic depression slash bipolar disorder? It would explain her mood shifts and horrible attitude at times and focusing only on her Gundam amongst other things. Right. I was wondering what the Gundam crew thought about this theory of mine. You know what I think? I think it's just a female character poorly written by men. I'd agree with that. Yeah. That's that's as that's as straightforward <laughs> as it comes. Um, yeah, I think she's just poorly depicted. Um, and and in a what if scenario, you can make it seem anyway. <laughs> so, I mean, I'm sure we, I'm, I'm sure between the three of us, we could come up with so many what if scenarios with Nina Purpleton where she's not as annoying. So. Nina Purpleton is actually on the female flowchart, um, the fictional female flowchart. Her picture's on there somewhere. I forget where she qualifies, but she's actually referenced on that. I'm stupid bitch. Yeah, manic <laughs> something. She's just, she, it, it wasn't flattering. I can definitely remember that much. But um, yeah, she's on there. Retarded. So. <laughs> She she's a trendsetter to say the least. What if what if what if that was the explanation for Moon Show? Would you still <laughs> not hate? Would you still hate him as much? I'd hate him more. Whoa! I mean, he might have PS. You know, what is it? PST or whatever? P- PTS or whatever? What's that thing that the uh, PTSD? PTSD. There you go. You know, the thing is, people like try to throw out like psychological diagnoses of like lots of characters. Uh, I've seen lots of people throw out that. Um, you know, that uh, Camille seems like he might have Asperger's syndrome. And, you know, whatever, you know, you're not a doctor, and neither is the person who created this character. So I don't see what the point is of ascribing, like, you know, all these medical terms to try to diagnose people who don't yeah. exist and who may not meet the criteria of what those things actually are. So, And we have to go by what was put up there. So it's not like, you know, this yeah. is what was put up there. So I I don't I'm not really into this whole like psychoanalyzing characters and ascribing like mental conditions to them the, unless the show specifically talks about it. I mean I could create financial statements for them, but I can't. I I'm not qualified to uh, psychoanalyze <laughs> these people. All right, um, number three. Well, number two. Because we're skipping <laughs> second question. Sorry, not going to list uh, music. We don't do that. Try. Question number two. This is just a simple question of opinions and thoughts on this situation during the Gundam Roundup for Gundam Wing. In that discussion, during the comparison of the dub to the Japanese voice actors, Mark Hildreth compared to Hikaru Midorikawa was noted by Chris as his performance being dull and robotic. Wow. I read on TVTropes.org on the Gundam Wing entry and was surprised to note, TV Tropes. For years, actor Marth Hildreth was blasted by fans making heroes sound stiff and motionless in the dub. Then, at a convention, he was said he was told to act that way. So if Mark Hildreth wasn't told to act that way, would it have perhaps changed your opinion of Mark Hildreth's portrayal of Hero Yui? Thanks in advance. Uh, no, because he still acted that way. So I don't, I don't have you know, uh, the notes of the voice director to go on when I'm <laughs> judging a voice actor. So I can only and will only judge what the voice actor does. Number two, uh, I hate TV tropes. Please don't ever cite them. Please don't reference them for anything because as interesting as that site was when it started, it's just a bunch of meme speak and fanboy edit wars of people going back and forth of what applies to this, what applies to that, and yeah. you know, just lots of unsighted information, even worse than Wikipedia, wow. because nobody ever cites anything on TV tropes, especially when it's these examples and counterexamples and counter-counterexamples back and forth about whatever dumb meme thing some trope is supposed to be. So 
please don't bother with TV tropes. They're yeah, not a source a, for information. It's a fun site, but you got to leave it at that. You know, it's not even a fun site anymore. At least, well, to me. right, but it was fun when it started. Yeah. So let's see. Uh, <laughs> I think that that'll wrap it up for the mailbag this time. And right. I'll kick it to uh, Neo so he can hit us with a double fist attack of uh, news and the Straight Talk Express. Okay, thank you for the Straight Talk Express, and thank you for your questions, listeners, and all of that. But um, today, the Straight Talk Express is headed to Redmond, Washington. Oh, uh, and uh, Nintendo? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But um, got you know. I have X. I have an Xbox, and I've been on live for a couple of years now, and I got an automatic renewal notice, and I got it a couple of weeks ago, and I I just looked at it real quick on you know on my BlackBerry, and I'm like, what's okay, fifty nine bucks, and then I was like, wait a second, that sounds a little high. It's like I don't remember paying that before, and uh, it's not a question of like affording it or anything like that, but I, I went to a friend of mine that works in the game industry, and I said, you know, was was this always, you know, $59? And he's like, no, it just went up. And I go, why? And he told me, his explanation was, Microsoft said. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Here, 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 here comes the question that I have. And, and being somebody that works in, you know, uh, uh, in financial area and understands business and stuff like this, um, if you're going to put my, if you're going to increase my price of something, um, you know, A, it's because... You know, maybe the cost of it went up, or you're going to start offering more more services. But in the aspect of something like this, when it comes to um, you know, years ago it was I think it was fifty dollars, and now it's now it's sixty. Well, as you're adding people, and I see you have no problem, you know, bringing out new consoles and having you know, I see these things are flying off the shelves and stuff like this. After a while, don't you think that you know, the more people you have on the network, the the price might go down a little bit, or just stay the same. You know, for Christ's sake, there's no big deal. But my question to Microsoft is why why am I paying ten dollars more and what am I getting out of this because I also have a PS3 and I'm sitting here and I'm like okay I have a PS3 and yeah PSN is what Chris free yeah free and uh, now you can stream Netflix for you know free. on your for your yeah and it's like okay and you can and you and I could play uh, you know Call of Duty online for free exactly for the same and have the same enjoyment not that we don't but we could we could i don't have it for that system i need to get it i'm sorry um but th but the thing is is like okay that's fine and i'm sitting here looking i'm like okay i'm not getting anything in general but why why is this going up and nobody the only reason that i'm getting from anybody is just because microsoft sits, said so well i also know I mean, that it's because because they can yeah and it what is you, because what, they what, are, what are you gonna do otherwise if you don't have a ps3 what are you gonna do yeah exactly and even if you do have a PS3, if, let's say you have more games on the 360 and you have more investment in terms of time, uh, friends on your friends list, you know, achievements, what are you going to do? Yeah, exactly. You don't have, you have a choice. It, it just doesn't make any sense to me. So, I mean, that's just my little rage here. And it's like, you know, the thing about it is, is I know Microsoft's not hurting for money. They have $26 billion in cash on their balance sheets. Yeah. They, they have a ton of money and they're, they're trying to figure out even what to do with it. So you're funding, you're funding Steve Ballmer's new mega yacht. I, I must, I must be funding the fact that they want to buy back a whole bunch of their shares to drive up their share price over $40. So, um, 
you know, what the hell? On top of that, Connect is selling like gangbusters, and it only pro, it only costs about a third of what they're selling it yeah. for. So they're they're making quite a bit of profit. Well, it, it's it's my it's my thing of economies of scale. Once yeah. you get to a certain point, it becomes cheaper to produce a product because you have more people buying it. That's what. Plus, the- they have their their banana money system where you nothing is in like dollar figure, so you have to buy their more of their banana money to equal what it is you actually want to buy because yeah. the pricing doesn't match up the the increments of their banana money. Yep, I, yeah, I, I, I'll be I, I'll attest to that. I, I've had anytime I buy points off of <laughs> off of uh, Microsoft uh, uh, Microsoft points, I always have twenty points left over no matter what i don't care you know what what different pricing is i always have 20 points left over 20 points i can't do anything with and it's like well it'd be nice if i could just you well, know it adds it adds up after a while but yeah the point the point being is you know if if, if you're going to sell things in increments of 800 yeah well don't don't price everything at 740 or something like that or 720 i well, mean their it, their excuse for it is well it allows it to translate worldwide when they do the point system, that's but it's BS. Like, why not just the PS3 price it regionally? You know, it, it's it, it's it's a dumb. It's just banana. Yeah. It's just a way to get you have yeah. to spend more money because the PS, the PlayStation Store uh-huh. worldwide, everything is just in the currency for that region as it should be because yeah. it's not the same. You know, on my on Xbox Live, it's not the one service globally anyway. Yeah, exactly. I, it's I can't... regional. So what is the point of that? It's just dumb banana money. At least with PSN, you know, your minimum charge to put funds in the wallet is five dollars but if i have like zero dollars in my wallet and i buy something that is 7.99 and i just click buy all that gets charged my credit card is 7.99 yeah nothing and not a penny more exactly and the the other problem that i have is it's simple the whole thing with netflix i pay a netflix subscription Mm-hmm. But then I have to pay to uh, for Xbox Live to access my Netflix. What the hell is that bull? I have a question. Bull for crap. You. Do you use the uh, the ESPN feature? You probably just watch SportsCenter and just be done with it. But have you used the new ESPN feature on Live? Because that's one of the things they use to justify the rising costs is that they're offering more. No, I just go to the, my computer right. because they have the same thing. Do you use which a, is free? Do you use uh, Facebook or Twitter? No, I don't on, use on any Live. of that stuff on that because uh, I can those, use those, it on my phone. Yeah, or because I have a smartphone or a use it on my computer yet which more, is free yet more excuses from microsoft as to why yeah. their service costs more now here's here's an idea microsoft why don't you offer another tier like um live platinum that gives you access to all that stuff if you want to actually charge people more if there, there's some people on live that only have it to play against other people in gaming and i do understand why microsoft the reason why i have it play. yeah exactly and 50 bucks it doesn't seem so bad it's been implemented since when they started live back in the old xbox i, I one of those things i just had to deal with but you know if you're going to want to charge people more for all the features well, you're implementing why don't you just make a higher tier that well, people will invest? I'm not in? even getting into that. My problem is, like I said, I can afford the ten dollars. It's not that's no, not I, I, it's I, not an issue. My beef yeah. is if you're gonna do this, at least give me a reason why you're doing it. Right. You could sit there and say based on server costs or you don't even get anything like that. Yeah. It's just they just oh, shut down all the Xbox servers. So they got all these servers now that are not dedicated whatever. to an old dead I'm, console. I'm not I'm I'm done with it. So yeah. Microsoft F you. Um <laughs> I'm sure Austin will be very happy to hear that. <laughs> and you know, and thank you PSN for bringing finally bringing um, streaming to the PS3. Um, and, and because of this, I, I think I'm just going to buy another PS PS3. Wow. And um, well, I want one for my bedroom. But um, <laughs> I'm sure Austin will be doubly happy to hear that. <laughs> so that's my straight talk express. I know what you're doing, you freaking bastards. Go to hell. Ouch. 
That's do me, do me a favor and uh, take it to the car wash before you give it back the keys. <laughs> Fill up the tank. Yeah, get well, the oil I, changed. I, I will. I will. It's it's it. Well, it's it's you know it's six thousand miles round trip from Redmond, Washington to Orlando, Florida. So yeah, I, I understand. But um, so screw you, Microsoft, Xbox, blow it out your ass. Um, Neo's news. Well, there goes that promotion. <laughs> Believe me, they'd probably charge us to freaking promote them. Well, you know, it's funny. Um, I heard about this on a podcast a while back that um, back in the 90s or something, there was some computer magazine, and they approached Microsoft about advertising and advertising um, in the magazine. Microsoft said, you should let us run ads for free in your magazine because um, having our ads in your magazine gives your little magazine credibility, and you'll seem less credible if you don't have our ads. So running our ads for free is us doing a favor to you. Yeah. Wow. I mean, I don't like I said. So if that's Microsoft's attitude, I mean, mind you, that was back in the '90s or so, but it's still pretty arrogant. <laughs> well, the the thing is, is you know, a lot of that's just out of you know, just a little spite or whatever. I don't feel that way, whatever, with Microsoft. But the thing is, is if you're going to do this stuff, that's fine. Site cite the you know cite cite the reason because you know i can afford it but i'm sure there's a lot of people out there they're gonna have to start making a decision on what they want to do so way to increase your fan base go ps3 um (laughs) that one's for you austin um and we're still not gonna accept soul bro when he's in there so once he's part of the gang oh i'm sure i'll be crying he'll be No sober is allowed. Oh, that's, that's, I, I it'll, it'll be it'll be like Rudolph. You know, you're not allowed to play our you're not allowed to play our PSN games. But there you go. Neo's news, and uh, thank you for all the people that submit to the Neo's news listeners submitted news articles thread in the Mecha Talk forum, and a little light on the news, which no big surprise since uh, last episode had a ton of it. And um, first first article here is from uh, Jabman zero two five Defender of Destiny. Um. And he's just citing the AMA News Network is now uh, streaming the dubbed version of MSG. So all those folks that haven't seen MSG, and if you're listening to this show, I don't understand why you wouldn't have seen MSG already. And, and if you haven't, or if you're new to the show, you need to watch MSG. So there you go. But uh, thank you, Mr. Jabman025, Defender of Destiny, for your submission. So um, next uh, article here, this might hit Chris a little home on this one, because uh, I know you have a friend that's doing one of those exchange programs in Japan. It sounds like the Japanese post office is, uh, they're going to stop accepting mail parcels to the uh, United States, weighing more than 453 grams. Kind of kills my idea of using her as a uh, proxy bypass. But as a mule. It, it's saying, it, yeah, it, it, it's saying that some of the shipping companies might be exempt. So, Well, if you uh, have like a regular contract to ship stuff like, say, yeah. Hobby Link Japan or Amiyami or Hobby Search or all of these like companies that rarely do that obviously that's the lifeblood of their business is to ship shit out they're okay it's individual joe schmoes like my friend who uh are screwed yeah and, and the sources here are japanprobe.com and the department of homeland security wow. so uh the suspension includes all regular international airmail parcels as well as ems uh the can, can i uh can i uh straight talk here for just a second well let me finish with this real quick and then and then you can uh the japan post office has cut japan off has cut japan off from the u.s entirely um, the reason being for this action is the following attempts to send explosives through air cargo from Yemen to the U.S. and American security measures for air cargo have increasingly become severe. 
America and Guam are included in this provision, so you can't have them send it to Guam. And then from there, uh, it doesn't say anything about American Samoa or anything like that, but uh, I'm sure that's there. Raising the strong possibility that Christmas and year-end parcels will not be able to be sent from Japan to the U.S., uh, which will likely cause mass confusion. Now, Chris Guanche with the new clean and vacuumed and new oil change Straight Talk Express. Well, that's a pretty fast turnaround in like just one minute. Yes. Um, my fellow Americans. Um, <laughs> now, seriously, uh, what I'm about to say is not even political because it wouldn't it wouldn't even matter who the president of this country is or which party is in power. But this is just another example of um, you know this country just blindly overreacting to anything that is terrorism related. And instead of having rational responses and maybe using our resources in a better way to try to you know crack down on this stuff, it's let's just you know, lock down everything to a ridiculous level of, you know, banning shipments from, you know, a country. Okay, that's fine. It's Yemen. It's a terrorist hotbed. Fine. But, you know, uh, Japanese mail shipments banned over a certain size? Come on. How does, how exactly does that, how does that stop anything? Because they're just going to find a way to, you know, put stuff in that's smaller. Yeah. You know, these, these are just like pretty useless half measures that don't help anyone and only frustrate people who didn't do anything wrong. You know, I'm sure everyone has heard, uh, you know, the news about all of these, um, these porno scanners, so to speak, that take these very detailed sort of like x-ray nude pictures of you. Look, and don't if you touch don't, my junk. Yeah, don't touch my junk or I'll have you arrested. And if you, if you don't, if you don't want to, you know, take a picture in the porno scanner, which mm-hmm. they say, you know, the pictures get deleted, but it's already been reported that no, they don't. Uh, you can get uh, felt up and molested by some uh, TSA employee. Hey, which I was on the way back from California. I mean, I'm way back from uh, Las Vegas this year. And I got to say, um, without exception, uh, in all of my encounters, uh, and I'm sorry if I'm offending you, but uh, TSA employees are the scum of the earth. Oh, damn. <laughs> you know, they, they're uneducated people. They have bad attitudes. And they basically are just people who are drunk on their power because if you piss them off, they will mess you up and they know it and you know it so all of this sort of stuff is just ridiculous and you know just reacting in fear and panic and doing all these extreme measures will never bring anybody any security (laughs) and it doesn't make anybody feel better and it doesn't generate any goodwill for anything so america lighten up (laughs) get with the program stop stop reacting blindly to fear and whoever will just offer you security and you know this idea of we have we have no privacy and we have no rights and you know flying on an airplane is like going through a prison because <laughs> eventually you know what's gonna be the worst part of all of this? What's that? Someday this will all seem normal. Man, of course. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, um, uh, Israeli uh, is Israel had to go through this 50 years ago and um, yeah, but they do yeah, it but they're, completely different way. Their, oh yeah, their and, techniques are to use highly trained people and oh, they yeah. ask you questions to sniff yeah. out information. Which and they, they don't, profile, you know, and they, they don't also, rape you with X-ray machines. And, 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 and they and, profile and, you, and they also have very skilled uh, undercover and uh, in, oh, yeah. in uniform marksmen Most and people, people walking around there. Um, my parents have been to Israel, oh, yeah. and mm-hmm. my mom said. She never felt safer flying into the uh, Israeli airport, and she goes, "Yeah, you're seeing all these guys with 
they got those those what is it the uh, AR-15s or mm-hmm. whatever those things are, and that's part of it too. You, so you pass through an unbelievable amount of security and don't even know it when you go through um oh, yeah. airports in Israel. It's it's incredible. I was reading an article about um a push to do an Israelification of um airports in America and well that's not going to happen because America's anti-Semitic. So. It won't. But yeah um. It's incredible that article that I read, and that's also they're also a very tiny, 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 yeah. tiny country compared to us. <laughs> there's there's only true. there's only six million people there, so yeah. there's more there's more people in Miami than there is in Israel. So uh, you'd have to count Palm Beach and Broward I'm, too. I'm talking the yeah, the, which they usually do. They deal with pretty big threats though, and there's it, more but there's more people in New York City than there are in Israel. Well, of course, just to keep yeah. it simple. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, enough enough wow. national security. Straight Talk Express. I'm not John McCain. But all right. All right. <laughs> Next article here, and this is from uh, Nin Shadow or Nine Inch Nail Shadow, probably Trent Reznor. <laughs> and this is kind of appropriate that Nine Inch Nail Shadow or Nin Shadow would have this um, for all of those fans of uh, genocide and killing innocent civilians by dropping colonies on them. If you go to Gundam.info, there's the ultimate Christmas present for you. Uh, they have Operation British sweaters and parkas, and I. <laughs> Definitely, definitely. If there's anything that I would say to do from this episode is if you're listening to this, you need to go right to this link in the news listener submitted news article site on this because this is just too much to be true. It's too good to be true. For the Xeon apologist in your life. (laughs) For the the low rent Zagiran Zabi in your life. Um, For your neighborhood space fascist. And I'm just going to describe this to you, but every one of you listeners out there has to go to this link. Uh, it's a black or a brown or black or like a heather gray sweatshirt. And it says in front there in like old English style uh, writing, Operation British. And it has like a patch, you know, like you would see like an Air Force, like a fighter ace would have on his flight suit. It's got a patch of the planet Earth. And a colony falling on it with two lightning bolts on either side. And then on either side of that, it says 00. And on the other side, 79. On what would be the left sleeve, it's got GG. And on the right sleeve, it's got Principality of Xeon in Old English writing with the flag. Is is the GG supposed to mean good game? I I don't know. I I personally want to rock the planet t-shirt showing um, Axis about to fall on the planet. The parka... (laughs) And, and and this is this is a huge on on the uh, on the sweatshirt. It's huge. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm talking like most of the front of the sweatshirt. Uh, the park is a little bit different. It's got the same stuff. It's all up on the front and it's on either side. The Operation British patch and stuff is on the left hand, left breast side, and it's a it's a lot smaller. But you have the good old Principality of Zeon, um, uh, you know, flag there, a little bit larger and a little bit more prominent there. So um, you know, for all those folks that love seeing, you know, let's. Let's gas them, drop them, and kill them. Um, this is uh, this is for them. So uh, thank you, Mr. Nine Inch uh, Shadow, Nine Inch Nail Shadow, or Trent Reznor, or Nin Shadow, or whoever you are. Uh, thank you for your submission. And um, wow, that it, it's almost up there with Pundum, but still can't beat it. And um, last little thing here, and I just want to also let all the people know that uh, give give a break uh, on the Ava articles. I'm not gonna do them for a while. So uh, let, let, let's let the joke die a little bit, and then you can start popping them back in because uh, every time that there's uh, there's something with some wetsuit or some stupid thing that's going on there, um, I'm just not going to... Super Samoan edition. Yeah, I'm just not going to do it out of spite now. So I know you're being spiteful. I'm being spiteful back. Uh, but 
But Mobius Diablo has an interesting one uh, linked to CNET, and uh, I'm not going to go too much into this, but there's uh, it's dealing with, um, we've all seen Macross Plus and the whole thing with sharing Apple. Well, there's actually some technology that's going on with that right now, oh, yeah. so uh, definitely check out that article. He's got the link there in the, uh, in the, in the thread, and uh, it's pretty interesting, so um, you know, definitely check that out. So, um, and the last one here is from Nasty Nate. And uh, I don't know how nasty you can be if you're for Christ, but I guess you are. Um, nasty in a good way, I guess. Uh, <laughs> but uh, he has a, from the Anime News Network, and this coincides with one of our topics today, but imagine what topped the uh, Blu-ray charts in Japan. And, uh, <laughs> uh, for, the, for the week of uh, November 8th to the 14th. No, it was not the Blu-ray release of Garzi's Wing. Chris, uh, any um, any 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 guesses before I, I spoil it for everyone? Queen's Blade Super Samoan Ultra Boobs Edition. Nice. <laughs> nice. What we've all been waiting for. <laughs> it's just boobs, not even bodies, just just boobs. Well, no, unfortunately, and it it's not the complete Blu-ray box set of Dragonaut. It's uh, Gundam Unicorn Volume Two. Oh, sold uh, eight, 81,000 copies. Uh, during the week, uh, d between the uh, the week of uh, November eighth to the fourteenth, doesn't sound like a lot, but Japan's a lot smaller <laughs> than than the United States, and uh, so there you go. So that's the news. I'd like to thank everybody for their submissions, and back to Chris, you know, to get us out of here to go into some real trash. All right, that uh, wraps up our opener. So just uh, sit sit tight, don't change the channel. We'll be right back. You're listening to all the smooth hits on. Gundam FM at MHQ. <laughs> Bob, I'm about to reach over there and tear you a new Don't be a jackass. I'm with you, Sis. Bob. We talk this out. I don't see any need for that kind of language. Now, if you yeah. want to go outside right now, I'll no. take both of uh, you. We're going to vote, right Alan. We're not going to fight. We're going to oh. vote. Let's vote. Let's vote, and then we'll fight. Whatever you do, don't let the reactor temp get too... You mean like this? We are so screwed. With our luck, I'm really not surprised we're stuck defending the entire city again. Quit being such a whiny bitch, Asuma! We're 900 Artesia. Your call is very important to us, so... Amuro, how did you get this number? He also didn't use protection when we were riding, and then he just pulled out without letting me finish. Then he threw some money at me and drove away, and then he... What? Maybe it's something psychological, you know? I'm sure a lot of guys cry for their mommy once in a while. Don't touch me! Put on your life. Pants Asuma, we're gonna go frame God. Yar, the old girl be as tight as her captain. You know, I'm beginning to not care anymore. Remember that thing that keeps us in the air and not on the ground? You mean the drive system? Yeah, it escaped into the mountains. God damn it! I hope it finds a good home. Watch Gundam Ren Studios Mobile Suit Gundam Abridged now with 33% more awkward. Check it out at www.youtube.com slash Studios. In a world where vivid flashbacks can strike without warning. In a world where a submissive adolescent must pilot a giant humanoid robot to save humanity. In the same world where a two-legged quadruped can run leisurely at the speed of sound with the aid of jewelry. Only one podcast can discuss this with their sanity intact. And this is not that podcast.
www.ssapodcast.com The Ass Backwards Anime Podcast Oh wait, I was supposed to use that voice in the beginning. Uh, let's go again. Wow! Well, gun- Damn it, anywhere doesn't it hurt? Fortunate are those who are able to remember the tales of Byston. Because although everyone born in our world is imprinted with these memories, by some cruel twist of fate, only a select few have the ability to recall these tales of wonder and mystery. It is for that reason that I will relate to you the following story as Gundam tell it. Gundam at MAHQ is brought to you by GoDaddy.com. Hey everybody, welcome back to Gundam at MAHQ. This is Chris, and uh, finally we're going to be coming to a segment that we teased quite a while ago, the third installment of Anime Toilet. <laughs> Following on the heels of such craptastic things as MD Geist and Robotech Shadow Chronicles, we mentioned that... Um, oh, you forgot, this- you forgot MD Geist 2, colon Death Force. Oh, how could I? Uh, we had teased that um, this one would be involving Tamino. And that is uh, partly true, because we're going to be talking about the various uh, Aurabattler, Dunbine, OVA sequels and spinoffs. We can't exactly call it a Tamino toilet, because um, he didn't direct the first of the things we're going to be talking about. So think of this anime toilet as covering Tale of Neo Garzi's Wings of Rian. It's uh, it's uh, two thirds to me now. So. Yes, he's still the majority offender on this one. <laughs> yes, he is a majority offender. So our first um, topic of crap on discussion, we're doing this three in one, is the three episode OAV from 1988, Aura Battler Dunbine, The Tale of Neo Bison Well, which was directed by Toshifumi Takizawa, who later went on to direct Samurai Seven. So I guess even he went on to do something good. <laughs> It's amazing, isn't it, when you sometimes see that stuff? It's like, whoa. I guess we all have stinkers. So, uh, this OAV, which is an actual sequel to um, Dunbine and is the only sequel to have Dunbine in its name, uh, starts basically right at the end of the original series with Shot Weapon gets sent back to Bison Well, but uh, he gets turned into like this undead skeleton that looks worse than Skeletor's grandmother. And uh, 700 years pass, and a bunch of characters who are reincarnations of the Dunbine characters, and by reincarnations I mean their names are almost the same. They look almost exactly like the characters that they're reincarnations of, and in almost every case they're voiced by the same people. Are just hanging out in Bison Well, and uh, the Black Knight... Raban, he wants to get like the treasure of this kingdom, and he attacks. And uh, Shion Saba, I don't know if that sounds familiar to you. Mm. Uh, he's with this princess Remel. I don't know if that sounds familiar to you. No, not at and, all. And um, you know the Black Knight. Um, he has this woman. I think her name is Milana or something, and she's just a very angry woman. I don't know if that sounds familiar to you either. And, um, you know, he attacks with, uh, you know, his, his or battler and a bunch of shenanigans happen. And Shion Saba ends up 
uh, getting into an R battler called the Serbine. Really? Yes. I don't know if that sounds familiar to you either. Not at all. <laughs> Deja and, vu all over again, huh? Yes. And uh, they end up fighting. And the Black Knight, he just wants the kingdom's treasure for whatever reason. And uh, the people of this kingdom, there's this this uh, group of knights who proclaim that Shion is the uh, the holy warrior. I don't know if that sounds familiar to you either. Oh, it will be for later on in this segment too. Oh, that that too, but one thing at a time. Yeah. So you know, as as they fight, you've got skeleton shot. He's got this secret plan of detonating these like uh, old U.S. nukes from an aircraft carrier that got transported back to Bison Well because he needs like all of this energy of Bison Well blowing up so that he can open the Aura Road and go back to Upper Earth. And in the end, um, you know, the plucky young hero Shion Saba, together with the help of the Princess Remel, they beat the Black Knight and uh, they stop shot from uh, blowing up Bison Well and he instead gets blown up himself. And uh, they live happily ever after. Well, they don't save the air, they don't save like the castle to get blown up. It was just no, yeah, and all people who die. But I mean, Bison well in general. And um, luckily, the Serbine was able had powerful enough aura to create a force field to protect you know Shiho and uh, you know Shihan and uh, and and the princess. So. Ugh. But sucked out the the chick, the redheaded chick. So yes. So compared to the other ones, like I said before, uh, this is the only one that's actually a direct sequel to Dunbine. It does feature Shot Weapon, you know, who was from Dunbine, and the um, obligatory Ferrario in this OAV is actually Silky Mao, who was also in Dunbine. But other than that, uh, every single character is just a reincarnation of um someone from Dunbine. So, I'll just say it. This 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 OAV is not really necessarily so bad, but um it's really very mediocre and quite pointless. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh it doesn't show us anything that we don't already know about Bison Well. You know, it's just the same stuff, you know. Someone someone wants to conquer something, someone wants to get to Upper Earth. There's all these R battlers running around. Um the animation is pretty decent except for the actual or battler combat because they use this technique that is just really annoying where for the most part the or battlers are still images that just slide across the screen i've never really seen that before like filmation not in in like well not like anime like this i don't know it just was really bizarre to me for some reason it is really bizarre every once in a while um they actually will be animated and in movement like if they're running but most of the time they're just literally static images moving in one direction across the screen or another like a you know like a like a puppet being dragged across somewhere or like a pop out book that you animate yes like a animated pop out book oh god like like uh mini pat laborer or or paper mario or something like that <laughs> that's funny yeah i'd have to um i have to kind of agree with your assessment there it's like it's it's not terrible, terrible, but it is kind of pointless because, like you said, it doesn't really do anything. I mean, if we're going to revisit and try to have it where it's the same type of characters, why not just do the same type of characters? You know, do do one of those things where it's like an offshoot. Like, before they went up to, you know, Upper Earth, this thing happened. You know, Tomino didn't plan it or anything, but, you know, it's something like that. But this is just like, it, it, it kind of reminds me a little bit of... Um, it, it seems like uh, like the third Megazone where they're trying, you know, it's like everybody's kind of, you know, a reincarnation or, or, or they're so similar. But, you know, it just doesn't really work that well. And, yeah, that, that, whole, uh, that whole mecha combat 
it's very annoying. Like, I'm sure there's people that haven't seen it, and they're probably like, how bad could it be? It's, it's really bad. I mean, it, 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 it really is just like, wow, this is, um, it, it almost looks like the sl they, they move as fast in some of these scenes as the, uh, as the Gundams did in G-Savior. Animation-wise, South Park Season 1 looks better. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah, and that's kind of the technique it looks like they're using. Yeah. So, Solbro? Um, I was real excited to sit down and watch this um, when I first saw it a couple <laughs> months ago. Because, um, you know, it, I always heard it was bad, but, you know, it was new. I, I was fresh. I wouldn't say fresh off of Or Battler Dunbine, but, you know, it still left me, uh, left a good impression on me. Uh, and, you know, I always wanted to see what came afterwards. And I, I had seen Garcia's Wing, and, and somehow I'd able to, I'd been able to separate that from Or Battler Dunbine because there were no Or Battlers in it. So it was just neat to see something that had Or Battlers in it. And I watch uh, this OVA, and I get this sinking feeling when I'm watching it, <laughs> from the first episode to the third. Uh, I, I got it within the first ten minutes. Oh, my God. It's just like, uh, whoa. It was like almost a bad remix of what I had seen, although with a much happier ending than Orbat Le Dunbon. It just... Like uh, a bendy knockoff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It just seemed like a cheap a cheap uh, imitation and you know and I I, I I I think I'd equate it to Tomino not being there or a low budget but you know it's an OVA it's supposed to have a bit more of a budget than a regular TV show and this this was lacking say for a few scenes well let's let's not get ahead of ourselves cuz you can have, you can have a budget and, and and all of the you know all the tools in the world and still put out crap and and be and, and be called Tomino <laughs> <laughs> so but I'm not going to get ahead of us now. This oh is the tales in the Obiston well. No, it's just it's it's very ill-conceived. And for an epilogue, it was exciting to see um, at least one crossover character. Well, two 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 characters that cross over, and kind of one that um, was a pseudo crossover with. Uh, I guess Cham Fao had a uh, a duplicate in this one. But um, no, uh, it, it I don't know. It just watching it. I, I can't really recommend it for anybody who's seen um, or Battler Dunbine because it just seems like it's half cocked when it comes down to it. it, it it's very short. It doesn't leave an impression. Um, watching it, the story's lackluster. You know, it's just one of those stories where um, the hero rises up from um, adversity to, to, to help for a greater cause. And a super fast clip. Uh, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it is. And I, I, the, one, the one good thing I have to say about this is that it ends happier, on a happier note, than Aura Battler Dunbine. Um, well, that, that doesn't take much effort. It really doesn't. Although, you know... But it, only ha it was only good for two people. I, I mean, mean, I mean by, else got by, killed. By comparison, you know, uh, Zeta Gundam ends on a happier note than Dunbine, <laughs> but that's not saying much either. Well, I mean, and, and, and the thing is, is with this one, it's like, the, the, you know, the, the hero and his woman are uh, the only ones that survive. The poor, the poor faceless knights that were dying for Shiho, they get freaking wow. nuked themselves. So it's they like, do. it wasn't very good for them. Oh my God. <laughs> it's like, yeah, he won. <laughs> Our side won, but there's no one left to enjoy it. <laughs> it, 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 it almost seems like a, a way for them to make up for how um, little uh, Shot Weapon had to do in the final episodes of Dunbarn. Because, you know, he kind of just got wiped out pretty quickly. But he um, hardly did anything here, too. He's just yeah. like a skeleton who's just hanging out in the shadows laughing maniacally. Yeah, and, the coolest and, scene. And getting body parts pulled off him and just turning <laughs> to dust. Yeah, we, 
honestly, the coolest scene in all of this OVA is the first uh, first yeah, minute. That's awesome. The first yeah. minute is incredible. It's like it's cool seeing shot just decompose into the undead, and and seeing that is 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 almost spine tingling. It gets you excited for what inevitably turns out to be a cluster disappointment. <laughs> get you get you all amped up and excited about disappointment. And disappointment, man. And the thing. Mm-hmm. Sorry, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. I was I was practically done anyway. Well, then then be completely done. Oh well, then I I I'm completely done. <laughs> Uh, okay. <laughs> well, the thing for me, it's like, I don't see why does it this thing exists. There's only yeah. two Aura Battlers in this OAV, and they both look exactly like Aura Battlers from the TV show. I mean, the Surbine literally looks almost exactly like the Dunbine, mm-hmm. and uh, the Zwarth that the Black Knight uses looks exactly like the Zwarth that Burn Burnings used. There's hardly any difference. Yeah. Like I said, uh, the characters who are reincarnations of Dunbine people look almost exactly like them. Yep. They have almost all the same voice actors, you know, there, but there's no reason given why that these people are supposed to be reincarnations of these characters. And three episodes, is just a really short amount of time to try to develop a new story. Mm-hmm. So I would say that, uh, Neo Bison Will is utterly pointless. The only thing that it has going for it is that of all of these Dunbine OAV spinoffs, it's the one that feels the most like yeah. The TV show. Yeah. yeah. That's the only that's the only praise that I can give it. And it's certainly a praise that I cannot give to uh, the next two things we're going to talk about. So if uh, if that's all done, Woo. I, I'm, we, I have nothing else to say on how, how many how many flushes, gang? How many flushes? Oh, we, yes. We, uh, I would give it uh, two flushes. Mm. Uh, two and a half. I, I'd give it about one and a half, I'd say. I, 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 I got some enjoyment out of here, so um, not much, but I got some. The Jay Leno of, com- of critiquing. Yeah, it's okay. <laughs> I can see some of the things here. Yeah. Uh, back to you, Chris. Uh, let's talk about that Garzy's wing. Hmm. Oh, let's. So, Garzy's wing, uh, the, the first offense out of two by two. <laughs> Now, if you're if you're sort all, of an old all rise for the for the judge. <laughs> if you're uh, if you're kind of an old school fan, you probably would recognize Garzy's Wing because back in the day when Central Park Media released it, and mind you, they no longer exist. So what does that say? <laughs> A lot. The uh, people that brought us such hits like MD Geist and MD Geist Two colon Death Force. Colon. Yeah. Uh, this videotape and DVD was plastered all over the place. Man. At every freaking anime store that you went to. And um, they hey, always one made of us up. owns it. Uh, I do. <laughs> <laughs> How'd you get tricked on that one? <laughs> it was actually on sale at the end. Oh, really? I used to buy, yeah, and I, yeah. I found out right before. I always, see, I always saw it on the shelf. Had no, no idea had a connection to or Battler Dunbar until after I bought the whole show. And then when when someone, when I read up that it did, I snagged that I snagged that show. Hey, right like, oh, yeah, you got you got duped. Oh, I, I know you got duped. I mean, it's, we've all been duped before. It's not a big deal. I just say it. Were, were you lured in by the giant letters on the cover that say "From the Director of Gundam"? Probably. With that, with that, with that <laughs> on Golden Pond looking cover, it's like, man, I'm freaking excited, man. This is more Dunbine, man. I'm 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 all psyched for this. And it's Tomino. And I, whoo, dude, and I get it home. Well, you know, Don't sometimes continue. what you see on the outside does not reflect what's upon the inside. No doubt. So, um, I I'll, I'll just come out and say it. Uh, uh, this this OAV series, which is from 1996, and, and actually looks like it's 
older than that because it's pretty crappily animated, uh, is without a doubt the worst thing Tamino has ever done. Wow. And I've seen a lot of things Tamino has yeah. done. This, yeah. this is without a doubt the worst thing he's ever made. I'd have to say, yeah. And, and, and the second worst thing he's ever made is the thing we're going to talk about next after this. Oh, nice. So um, There's a reason, though, why this is worse than the next thing because, and I'll go when we talk about the next thing because, whatever, I'm teasing too much, sorry. But so Darcy's Wing um, takes place in Byston Well, but um, it's not the same Byston Well from Dunbine and Neo Byston Well because there's no R battlers. And uh, well, as you'll you'll see in a second, why it's so different. Right. So in this story, uh, a half Japanese dude named Chris, who I'm embarrassed to share a name with, uh, in the very first minute, he's being lectured by a annoying Frabo type female friend about how irresponsible he is. And he's like, man, screw you. So he goes for a ride on his motorcycle. And then uh, some magic duck flies by him, and it rips his naked soul out of his body. It was Lala. <laughs> I guess it, I guess that's a swan. This is a duck. Oh, was it? Uh, it's it was, the Aflac it was, duck. I was going to say. <laughs> Aflac! Okay, so the Aflac duck comes, and it rips his naked soul out of his body and starts dragging him down uh, the Aura Road with all of like the seaweed and the little babies and um, you know unfortunately he snags the obligatory Ferrario on his necklace right? and she gets dragged down to Byston Well with him this is all within the first minute of the show so suddenly um, his naked soul is a corporeal body in Byston Well so he finds himself in the middle of this fight between uh, some barbarians and uh, samurai riding armored raptors and suddenly some dude starts attacking him so he grabs a sword and starts fighting and he's fighting naked which is something that Tamino really loves to do I don't know why he has this thing about having characters in situations where they're naked and he was had no fish no fish to protect them no fish to protect him so um, afterwards everyone proclaims that he must be um, you know the uh, the holy warrior come down from from upper earth to help them and they're just a bunch of like tribesmen who are being used as slaves by some dude to build him a palace and they want to escape and they want to take chris to um you know the the holy land where there's this like magic tree which i'm just going to call the mana tree because that's what it is that pretty much and uh they want to take him to the mana tree so he can complete the right to become the holy warrior garzy's wing yes so the reason they think he's the Holy Warrior is because uh, he generates wings out of his feet that uh, make him fly around in that's garden. So the thing about this is that uh, it's very clear both to the audience and to uh, the characters in the story that he has no idea what's going on. <laughs> but yet, throughout the whole OAV, they keep acting as if he's supposed to know what's going on. Exactly. But they know that he doesn't, yet they expect him to know, which makes no sense. And if you don't think that makes any sense, then the real clicker here is that um, his body is still back on Earth, going around like it's still um, you know business as usual. But because the two of them have like some magic necklace that their grandma gave them, he can communicate with his soul down in Byston Well. Wow. <laughs> and whatever physical punishment uh, his soul takes in Byston Well manifests in his body on Upper Earth. So suddenly now, um, you know, Soul Chris is the leader of these, um, you know, tribesmen 
and they want him to be the holy warrior. So he's got um, Earth Chris like telling him like history book stuff of, hey, you should invent gunpowder and invent all these things that all these barbarians don't know. And then they just start suddenly building all this stuff because, you know, this guy read out of a book to him like, you should invent this stuff. And then they did. It's that easy. It's that easy. So as they're marching towards the mana tree, um, you know, the dudes from that lord, they come for a nice little battle. And then a battle happens, and one of the middling commander dies. And then that's it. They don't make it to the mana tree. Uh, Chris, we don't know what happens to him if he becomes the holy warrior or not. But then we go back to Upper Earth, where Chris is riding on his motorcycle with his annoying female friend. And they're on the road, and suddenly you see in the distance this ginormous mana tree, which is on Earth. Right. And then out of nowhere, his motorcycle sprouts wings, and they start flying toward the tree. The end. Which the end. <laughs> which makes the whole endeavor of the tribe useless, pointless. So we never find out what happened to his soul, if his soul came back to his body, what the point of any of that was. There were all of these antagonist characters introduced, including like a shard type, you know, sort of like fancy knight, who never even got to fight because all we got to see go down was just some middling commander. Yeah, it's, it. it's, it's bad. It like... It's really bad because I had never seen it before before I watched it this time, and I'm sitting here trying to watch it. And at first, um, I'm I'm wa- the the way I'm watching it is in the the English dub, and it's it's a bad English dub. It's it's silly, it's horrible, and everything like that. So I'm like, okay, let me let me start watching. Let me re- let me start over again and do this in Japanese. Well, this is one of the few times when the bad English dub makes it much more enjoyable, because. I, I I don't know if I would have made it through if I was going through that. Because at least with how bad the dub is, it's silly. And you start laughing about how stupid it is. Especially like, hey, Chris, are you the Holy Warrior of Garzy's Wing? And that's the other thing is the Garzy's Wing drinking game. <laughs> Jay, Leno was, Jay Leno was one of the, the people of Bison a while. Um, he must have been because it was just like in the first like 10, 12 minutes of, of the first episode, I swear to God, every other minute is Holy Warrior Garzy's Wing. And it's just, and it's just, you know, in the bad, in the bad English dub where it sounds like people are recorded in their bathroom and they're just, um, you know, they're not very excited. Like take uh, Robotech Shadow Chronicles and just put those people in, a, in, a, in the, in the, in the bathroom with echo, with bathroom echo. And that's pretty much how it sounded. And yeah, it's like, I, I could care less about the people. I, you know, it's, it's the poor, uh, it's the poor man, um, you know, it's the poor, it's Tamina's version of the Exodus, you know, the Exodus from Egypt, except uh, this is the Exodus from, you know, Neo Bi- or Bison Well. And it's just like all of the tribe people are, are annoying. You want them to all die. And, you know, because, and, and that's the thing is like Chris stated, they're sitting here. They know this guy's from another place. They know he's not trained to be a warrior or anything like that. But yet they get pissed because he's not living up to his. Poten- the potential that they set for him knowing though that he's never even been trained to do it and it's just like are you serious and then they took kenpo classes so you know that yeah makes him, that makes him an instant warrior and then the, and then the whole crap with talking with soul chris to chris and tokyo chris that was stupid and it's like it's like oh hey by the way you can if you do this and do that you can make gunpowder you can do this and it's just like really if it was that easy 
Um, you know, why, why did, why did it take humans so long to do <laughs> to figure out, figure it out? And yeah, the, the ultimate, uh, the payoff at the end, the ending is just, okay. The battle, a couple got, you know, they, they defeat the, um, the pursuing soldiers kill kill their commander. Like Chris said, the, the kind of Shar guy never, there's never a fight with them. And you just never know if Chris lived up to his potential, if his bot, if his soul is ever going to come back to his body. Uh, and then that stupid crap at the end where the freaking motorcycle sprouts wings it's just like really and then and then the clueless his uh chris's clueless or um his uh disinterested japanese parents that my son souls in another dimension or another place but yeah that's okay we'll just uh we'll just put him to bed early and his friends all believe that too yeah it's like what the hell is this all about oh that thing at the pool at the pool party when when uh when uh earth chris is at the pool party and like all of a sudden they're noticing like all these bruises and stuff and like oh what's going on and then he tells them what's going on and they're like oh cool wow we should get you home you know you, you shouldn't be here if you're taking that much of a beating it's like really high school kids are going to be that understanding apparently i mean <laughs> are there even high school kids anymore? Yeah, because I mean, there were. There was a class reunion, right? That's what I think I, they were like they maybe had just graduated from high. They're like about to go off to college or some crap like that. Because right. he talked about doing his exams. I think he was yeah. studying for. I think that was. I remember him talking to his grandma or his mom about like studying for his exams. So mm -hmm. may, yeah, maybe he's just recently graduated or whatever. But still, it was just like, are you serious? <laughs> so yeah, it's it's bad. So bro. Yeah, as I had mentioned earlier, I bought this DVD thinking it was going to be close or near. It's okay. We've caliber. all been burnt by anime before. <laughs> <laughs> near, near the caliber that um, um, that Battle of Dunbine, you know, set up for me. And I watched this. Well, that, that, that thing that says Tamino on it, you're like, hmm, yeah. Tamino, responsible for such hits as what? Mobile Suit Gundam, yeah. Dunbine, L Game, all these all these shows and stuff. And yeah. it's like, whoa. I'd watched countless shows from Tamino already, so I wasn't prepared yeah, you're over, yeah. for the booty. You don't that have this, to apologize. <laughs> that the booty that this this anime was, man. Um, I sit down and I, I watch this and I'm dumbfounded. Uh, what, <laughs> because not only is the flow so awesome, so weird when it comes to the way the story's being told. Key points are being left out. <laughs> and I know this is based on a novel or a series of books that Tomino has written. I know that, but of course, as an American, I have not read that shit. So I honestly don't know what the F is going on when I'm sitting here watching this. It's like, okay. I don't think anybody does. Yeah, and, 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 and the revelation that his body is still conscious or his body still in the in, in in the real world because watching Orbat Lodunbine, when you get swept up by Samuel, you get usually get swept lock, stock, and barrel. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Body and all. So and, you know, and no magic ducks. Exactly. No magic no Aflac magic duck. No no Capital One barbarians. <laughs> None of that shit. What's in your Bison well? <laughs> <laughs> we get double points awesome. for visiting Bison well. Oh, man. Well, well, well. We get double points when we fly on the Oro Road. <laughs> <laughs> Are you a pirate now? <laughs> I'm booking my tickets. <laughs> but 
you, you, you sit and watch this, and the fact that he's communicating with his body, and his, and his body is going to, I guess, the um, the uh, the ground, the medieval war handbook, which is the Britannic, the Encyclopedia Britannica, <laughs> telling this mofo, okay, you're gonna need to make some gunpowder. It's like, dude, can you make gunpowder on the spot? <laughs> can anyone do that? Even reading an encyclopedia, uh, you know, you may blow your own hand off. Are you are you serious? You're gonna tell him how to make a gun? Or he tells him like how to use like that explosive stuff that they have. Yeah. Like arrows. And, and like, hey, why didn't we ever think of this? <laughs> and make fuses and all that stuff. And 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 it, this would make some sense if it was a prequel. But I really don't feel a connection to Orbat, the, the world of Bison, well presented in Orbatler Dunbine or um Neo. I think you have to consider it to be just like an AU of Bison, well, because yeah. I don't recall in Bison, well, there being flying monsters and armored raptors with samurai on them and. You know, all of, like, the weird creatures that are in this thing, which brings up a point of something that Tamino does that annoys me what? a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, in a lot of shows, he tends to have this, like, this alphabet soup of, like, really bizarre names of things. Yes. And there's so much of that in, in, in uh, Garzi's wing. You know, it's like, sir, we can't use the, the boggity boos because they've deployed their ooga-boogas. <laughs> yeah. The and they keep weird. talking about all these blitty blas and gaddity goos yeah. and, like... They just keep naming off these things. Like, what are these things? I don't know what these things are. It's worse than Technobabble. It reads like a damn it's, it's a like, damn handbook. It's like Star Trek where they have aliens just to have aliens to show that, like, it's in the future and we, we, we've, we've met alien races and they'll just have alien races just to have alien races there. And you're like, what the Dude, hell? E- even in Dunbine, like, you, got, you, had, you, you at least got to be the audience through show when things were said and, you know, when terms were mentioned and you had no understanding of it at least the show took the time to explain these things to you going into guards is when you need to have a running knowledge of this shit because <laughs> but even that's not enough yeah it's not even enough because some of the things get brought up that I don't the, even the only thing that crosses over are the unicorns to. like the clydesdale unicorns uh, th- those that, big ass horses that and the fiorine uh you know those 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 are the two things that you know yeah. cross over but uh, you know and then and then we get to the part at the family uh, sorry not the family reunion the class reunion at the pool and how everybody buys into the fact that this man is going through a schizophrenic situation because <laughs> <laughs> that's all i'd say it's like this guy's schizophrenic this guy's insane <laughs> it's like he's what he's living he's living a, a life i mean uh, you know if if oh. i said to a friend of mine like say for example dale or pedro yeah. i said hey guys uh the affleck duck came and it ripped my soul out of my body and took it to some like bizarre fantasy universe mm-hmm. and all of the pain that my soul feels i feel Right. I would hope that they would have me Baker acted on the spot. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the paddy wagon for your ass. That's what they would do. Well, not only that, it's not only his friends, but it's his family too. And yeah, it's like, his family you know, they're like, oh, we'll just make you some soup and put you to bed, and everything will work oh out. God. It's like your, your necklace is wiggling. Oh my god, I get what's going on. We'll have your annoying friends stay over and watch over you, and oh it's just like, dude, uh, you know, just just to make a long story short, it's almost as if Tomino sat. And um, he, he got inspiration from a whole bunch of things and put it in a blender along with some doo-doo and mixed it up <laughs> and made a shake out of it. I'm talking like the last Starfighter, Lord of the Rings, um, um, the Ten Commandments, Spartacus. All this stuff he took some elements from and just put it all together in a mismatch that just don't make any sense at all. And um, Well, he, the, the end result was his bank account going up because it's the only reason why he did this. I'm cause... sure it sold. And for anybody who read the books, 
it the the probably the anime made perfect sense. It probably only takes no. That's the anime makes no sense. There is no there is nothing in this world that could make that anime make any sense because that story is complete garbage. You're probably right, and I it I, jumps, I, yeah, I, it just doesn't I, I, it doesn't flow well at all. The animation you know goes there's no from, ending. Goes pat go, like goes that. From, that's what kills me. There's no ending there, to the story. Really isn't, and, I mean, there's an the actual fact, ending of it, but uh-huh. there's no ending. The fact that well, it's it not an ending. Like, it just stops. Yeah, yeah, it just stops. Yeah. Well, I mean, a lot of OVAs do that, and I, I, I've become accustomed to that. But to have to have the ending where they just they fly off in the magic bicycle, like this is ET and some shit. <laughs> you know, it just it it just didn't add up. Um, especially since you know there was no no sign of anything magical in the upper Earth realm. And then you know you know at the very end they take off. I mean the, the ending had no sequitur at all. It, what you can call an ending, there was just no sequitur. And the fact that the tree was in the real world was that supposed to um, raise my interest in seeing a possible sequel for this, where you know they they go into that angle? Because to be honest, you know the build up to this yeah, was it, anticlimactic. Any was, any anything on that, Chris? Was this? Uh, do you do you know? Through your vast knowledge of stuff like this, that was there any intention of maybe doing like a second part or anything, or is this just? Ooh, who freaking knows? Yeah. It's just it's just a bunch of nonsense. It and is bad. You know, you know what struck me the worst as I was watching this. Mm-hmm. I'm watching this and I think to myself, this was directed by Tamino. Seriously, yeah. this is after easily. after he's done all of these other things. It's like if if um mm-hmm. you know if um Martin Scorsese directed yeah. one of these like blank movie. Parody movies. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Insert title. Movie. Movies. Mm-hmm. You'd be like, what happened to this guy? <laughs> this is easily Tomino's Ishtar. I I I I I gotta say it. Is easily. Well, the thing is, it's, yeah, it's, it's it's bad because it's, it just you see no from conception to finished product. And I, and I guess I guess the thing is is you know I'll go into more of this when we hit the next one because <laughs> it's like it you just don't see any like. The, the flashes of the Tamino brilliance no. in Garzi's wing. None. And that's that's the biggest that's why to me, four and a half flushes. This is bad. Oh, let me let me add that the same I'm sure the same dub dub group that did MD Geist had a whole hog hand in, in doing the dub for this because I watched it in both Japanese and English. I just had a refresher course in it for in English for the first time last night. And as Neo said, that dub is horrible. It's and bad, but it, it makes it makes watching a little bit better because oh, it it's so it's so silly. Dude, I, I, I if you have to watch this, please watch this with a group of friends. Yeah, dubbed. You and and, and do the off. and do the Garzi's wing drinking game. Yeah, and, and or or misty it. Uh, yeah. Misty. Please do. If you do, uh, 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 you'll have a blast. And 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 I think even though it's this bad, and I'm giving it the four and a half flushes. Mm-hmm. I would say that people need to look. They need to watch this because you will be amazed that this comes from a man who's got such a such a stellar career and and who's held in such high regard when it comes to a lot of the things that he's done because there is no flash of no. Tamino in there. The only reason why I know this is Tamino is because it says it on. <laughs> not, not even the flash of his bald head. None, yeah, of, none so. of it is there. And I, I got to give this, I, I, I think my rating, I can't rate it as bad as MD guys because I don't think anything can reach that. But four and a half flushes, it seems fair. And I'm, I'm down well, with MD that. MD Geist is the worst of the worst. Man. <laughs> Yeah, four and a half, four you know, half flushes from me. I would say, given that you know the the story is a uh, disjointed mess of a bunch of events that happen with no explanation, everything else is middling from the music to the animation to the voice acting to everything, and given the fact that this comes from Tamino, 
and it's this bad, I would say it also deserves four and a half out of five flushes. Yeah, it's bad. It's really bad. So that brings us to the uh, third and final offender who's uh, up for trial today in this toilet. All rise. <laughs> but before that, I should note that... Um, you guys remember how when we started our anime toilet with MD Geist, we mentioned that um, that uh, Justin Savakis of ANN had featured MD Geist as his inaugural um, or one of his first uh, buried garbage features, yeah. sort of along the same lines as us. Right. Well, interestingly, it turns out that he also featured Garzi's wing as buried garbage. That is interesting. Ooh, man. So I think that's a nice little footnote to end Garzi's wing on and to bring us to the 2005 OAV series, The Wings of Rian, which are based on a series of the original Dunbine novels that Tamino wrote, but I don't know if um, there's any relation between these two things other than just the name. Right. So, Wings of Rian, uh, probably the only thing that's notable about it is that it was broadcast on Bandai Channel. It was the first thing, wasn't it? Yeah, that makes it an ONA rather than an OVA. Mm -hmm. So in this story... um, we have this, uh, this dude, ASAP Suzuki, who's another uh, half-Japanese, half half-American uh, half dude, like uh, Chris from Garzi's Wing. And uh, he's your typical rebellious youth, doesn't get along with his parents. His dad's an American military officer at the local base. And um, his friends are some anti-American jerks who are trying to, like, bazooka the base. And they're being chased around all over the place. And then ASAP gets caught up in all of this nonsense and then our battleships just come out of the ocean and a bunch of crazy stuff happens. That's the first episode. Yes, that's the entire first episode. And then uh, um, all these our battleships and Asap and his two jerk friends and these two um, SDF pilots all get sucked back down the Aura Road with the seaweed and the babies. Like <laughs> as soon as they got up there, they're back down. <laughs> <laughs> they come back down, and uh, he has a run-in with uh, Jacoba Aeon, who's the uh, she's the ruler of the Ferrarios, and was also in Orbat Atler Dunbine. Right. Yeah. So she's the only crossover character here. So he ends up um, in Biston Well with his friends, and um, the princess that he meets that he meets uh, Luxus, her dad was a Japanese pilot from World War II who got sucked down into Bison Well, uh, Shinjiro Sakomizu, and he went and conquered a bunch of territory, and he's a king now, but uh, he wants to come back to Earth because he's butthurt about the fact that um, even though he stopped the third atomic bomb, he wasn't able to die as a kamikaze like he'd intended. Right. So a bunch of nonsense happens. Uh, they start fighting. They get ready to go back to Upper Earth because he wants to you know, invade and shit. Jacoba gets pissed and goes, screw you guys, get out of here. Sends them all back to Earth. They're all flying around again. They're in the, they're in the midst of um, a coup that's being instigated by the American officers at the local American base there in Japan. Wow. Um, ASAP and, um, and Sakomizu, they get, for whatever reason, as they're coming back up the Oro Road, they go on a little time tour visiting um, World War II with um, Sakomizu just getting all crazy and screaming and ranty and annoying. They come back up to Earth. Again, they're in the same spot, just running around doing the exact same stuff they were doing in Episode 1. 
ASAP's crazy friends, who have now gone Tamino crazy, which we'll get into later on, nice. decide that um, Tokyo needs to be nuked because Japan sucks and America sucks. Ooh. And they rip these nukes out of the American aircraft carrier that is part of this coup against Washington. <laughs> and they try to deploy these nukes, but then Sakumizu, he takes his... Uh, rather moonlight butterfly looking orb battler grabs the nukes flies up they explode and then everyone goes back to Bison well except his daughter who is stuck on earth with ASAP mm-hmm. and they're just kind of chilling they go to um, a cemetery so she can see her family's grave since you know she is um, you know half Japanese right and um, then in a uh, a flurry of sakura blossoms she vanishes the end <laughs> now, since uh, Solbro didn't have a chance to to watch this, perhaps mercifully so, uh, Neil, what are you, what are your thoughts on this trash? Yeah, I almost I almost envy him in a way wow. when it comes to this. Um, I know this is famously we've we've spoken this many a times of uh, Chris. Both Chris and I have got sucked into the same thing a couple years ago when this came out. Sat there, watched it, and was just like, whoa. I don't even understand what's going on. There's too much going on. This first episode never went back to watch episode two. And um, I can understand that if I, I we never did this segment, um, I wouldn't have gone back to watch it. I had no reason to. Because, um, I mean, basically what Chris, how Chris kind of did the story, that's basically it. Um, the only thing that redeems this from Garzy's Wing is this has got six episodes, and episodes two, three, and four aren't bad. Right. They're anime generic. You know, it's a uh, guy swept off into a wondrous world and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, they, but it's they, not even anime generic. It's done by generic because done tell by me, generic, yeah. it's, 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 listen to this story, and you tell me which series this is from. Right. Dude from Earth gets swept down the Aura Road into Bison Well meets um, a powerful lord with an army of our battlers who wants to conquer everything and who is married to a manipulative Lady Macbeth-type wife oh, and has a daughter who opposes him. Said dude becomes an R-battler pilot for this guy, but then switches sides against him. Which have I described? Dunbine or Wings of Rian? Dunbine, yeah. <laughs> no, I've described both. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> because it's the exact same story. And, and, it, and it's, I mean, that, and it, it is done... You know, at least with this, the animation's nice. Uh, the Aura Battlers look kind of cool, mm-hmm. uh, but it doesn't help it. It's just uh, stupid. It's unnecessary. Um, you're, you're, it, the whole thing with uh, the king and his whole motivation was just stupid. I mean, here this guy was—he's a failed. He was a failed kamikaze pilot. Right. He got sucked down to uh, Bison Well, ended up becoming something that he could have never became in Japan. Oh, yeah. And you know, and then then the revisionist start, starts. Uh, the revisionist history starts coming into play. Of um, the he—he uh, he helped you know stop the third uh, nuclear bombing of Japan, which was never going to hap- never happen because they didn't even have a bomb to drop. <laughs> And uh, and then as Chris stated, they you know as the 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 second time they go back up to Tokyo Bay, you know uh, Aesop and the King get you know everyone else goes right to Tokyo Bay, and these guys go on a um, you know they go on a side trip of uh, World War II, uh, according to the uh, crazy uh, revisionist way of doing it. 
where it's just like, oh, the Americans are bad. Oh, you know, oh, we we did all this and. You well, know. you know, it's like it's like uh, Chiaki told us last episode. Yeah. You know, the, the whole Japanese attitude of victimization and look how horrible these Americans—they're bombing women and children. We're all, we're victims. We didn't do anything I mean, bad. I mean, it, they're showing the B-29s bombing Tokyo, but beforehand they show a and and even day. the Enola Gay. Yeah, they show a beautiful day. They show a beautiful day in Tokyo as, you know, young wife and her young daughter are just sitting there enjoying the backyard and stuff. And then, um... Mother and child. And then, oh, the evil... Yeah. And then the evil... Yeah, I know. It's Tamino. Hey, man. And then, and then the evil American... And then the evil American force going about to land on Okinawa, which, um... If anybody's ever read about those battles, Japanese weren't exactly nice to the civilian population there. So, uh, yeah, it was just like, it's just unnecessary. And then... And it's even weirder because they're not actually... They're not actually... They're, they're traveling through time, but not really because... Um, you yeah, know, ASAP, visions. he tries to, like, slice apart these American yeah. bomber planes, and he tries to slice apart, you know, like, all of these bombs, but nothing happens. It's like they're just seeing an echo of history, which makes no sense at all. Yeah. <laughs> and then you got his two crazy friends who are, like, these uber, uber extremist guys that are like, you know, oh, Japan needs to go on its own, repeal the war clause and all this stuff, and blah, blah, blah. We got to kick out the imperialist Americans and all of this. And in the end... They what they want to do while once they're or battler pilots themselves or, or yeah or battler pilots themselves they they want to grab the the American nukes and drop them on Tokyo wow because they're like oh you know this is just uh, you know oh, Japan they need to pay and blah 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 but we love Japan so it's like it's uh, it's like well it's what I call Tamino crazy because yeah. Tamino has this thing sometimes in a series where he'll take a character who seems okay or even though suddenly a little bit off kilter. And suddenly they just go completely batshit crazy. Yeah. Like, uh, you, you could almost call it uh, Katagina syndrome. Yes, mm-hmm. thank you. <laughs> but even more so in this case, because these guys, clearly they're jerks, because the very first minute of the show is they're in a Jeep firing a bazooka at the U.S. military base, and they're being chased by uh, Army Hummers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So clearly these are not good guys. But um, by the time they get back, to Earth again, they've just gone completely insane. They're like, yeah, we gotta get these nukes and they're like, yeah, we need these nukes. Yeah, it's nukes, nuking Tokyo is the way to ensure our independence from the Americans. It's <laughs> like, cutting off your own nose to spite your face, man. It's, that's, that's nuking your nose to spite your face. <laughs> no doubt. <laughs> but of course they don't and, get that. And then you've got uh, this, this nonsense subplot that is never explained and is completely pointless about uh, ASAP's dad and his commander, this fat dude, starting a coup against Washington. Wow. In Japan. In Japan. (laughs) And using, like, like, like they tried to get, like, their aircraft carrier declared as, like, an independent nation, and they're negotiating with Sakomizu's people because one of the ships of theirs got stuck on Earth, and they're, like, negotiating with them for, like, carving up territory. It's like, this doesn't make any sense. And they're just so typically American to the point that they have, and I kid you not, one of the fighter pilots is named Lieutenant Guns. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yep. But then, ag- then again, maybe I shouldn't say anything because I have a friend who's in the Air Force and her last name is Battle. Nice. Seriously. Nice. But still, I That's mean. <laughs> Aptly named. But she had no choice. Tomino chose to name this guy <laughs> Lieutenant Guns. Hey, man, when you name a character <laughs> yeah. shot weapon, man, you can't look back. Uh. Oh, and it's just... 
and and then and then like the like just the way they display the American military is just so pointless. Like they show Lieutenant Guns, Lieutenant Guns, and because he he ends up doing a kamikaze flight, right. and it's like American pilots not going to do that, especially in an F twenty two. They're not going to do that, and it's just stupid. And they like showed the yeah, like you said, the, the they're trying to do a coup in Japan against Washington and get the aircraft carrier recognized as a sovereign nation and it's just like where is this going I don't it even makes understand. no sense and it's utterly pointless what is Tamino trying to say that's, that's what I'd like to know this I mean, is this is the idea that I have I right. think he's trying to see, show the whole thing and I might be overstretching here and I probably am but I because you're ill-informed I think in the end what he's trying to show is all of the craziness because of the war with the japanese people right and aesop is like chris said he's a uh, he's a product of two worlds because w- the commander he's the commander's son but he's also the son of, an, of a japanese woman yeah. and he's just like oh why can't we all just get along i think there might have been that but i might be giving it too since much he's so pa- too. since he's so pasty white with blonde hair yeah <laughs> and, and it's just like I, I think maybe that's what it's trying to do but it doesn't it doesn't pull it off and it's just it's just a big mishmash of stuff and you know the only saving grace is that it's animated well i mean that's that's the biggest thing it's 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 garbage you can see the detail in this garbage man yeah and uh and you do i think paul you agree with me that the because i watched the first episode of this show three times yeah twice and, for myself. and um the first episode of this show is so sloppy that it embodies every single mistake that was made in Garzy's Wing. Would you agree? Yeah, and, and the reason why I don't rate this as badly as Garzy's Ring is because, like I said, when it came to Garzy's Wing, you don't see any of the flashes of the Tamino, you know, like what he's done in the past. Episodes 2, 3, and 4, there's some Tamino flashes in there. And it's like, okay, yeah. you know, this is... And, and I was sitting there, and I'm like, wow, this is not bad, except for the first episode. This is not bad so far. Oh, episode 5 and, five and 6... And even the first part of episode five's okay, and then it just goes crazy, and then episode six is, is just as It's just as messy done. as the first one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, I watched it, and it's like I'm watching this first episode, and I think to myself, you know, Tamino learned nothing at all from what he did in Garzi's Wing because yeah. the first episode is that sloppy. Yeah. The next three, you know, they're pretty good, but the thing is most of the characters of this show are not interesting at all. Yeah. Uh, the only two characters that I found any interest in were um, one, um, uh, Lacus, the uh, the the princess, the daughter of of King Sakomizu. Yeah. And um, the old man uh, Amalgan Rudel, who used yeah. to be a former Conrad of Sakomizu until Sakomizu decided, like, oh, you're trash. I don't like you anymore. Wow. Yeah, they are. But they he's are an honor. But he's like an honorable old man who you know he just wants to do his thing and like lead his country. But, uh, you know, now Sakomizu's mad with power. Sakomizu pretty much is a horrible character because mm-hmm. he doesn't make any sense. You know, he's become the king of this country, Hojo, in, in Bystonwell. Mm-hmm. Uh, for whatever reason, which also is not explained, um, he doesn't age until yeah. the very end of the series. Really? And suddenly he gets really old. Yeah. What the hell? Yeah, it's really yeah. weird. Uh, he's got all this territory. He's got aura battlers. He's got any, everything that anyone could ever want. Yeah. But he's all butthurt about Earth, and he wants to come to Earth and die and destroy stuff. Yeah. Wow, that is that is the dumbest and, thing. And, and give up his and life and he, in the process. And he screams a lot. Yeah, he screams so a ton. So the man gets a second lease at life. He, gets, he goes to another world and, and 
Bray basically gets to do what very few men get to do. You know, you know, he gets to enjoy the spoils of life and 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 run things and have a country, you know, in his own image. And yet he still wants to just go back home, you know, rip shit up and then just and just go out in a blaze of glory. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, it it, it, wow. it, it made some. It, yeah, it, it's horrible. And I, and the other thing is too is Aesop as the protagonist. Yeah, not very. Protagony? Yeah, not really anything. I'm just, you're just kind of like. He's just there. He's just being dragged yeah. along for the ride. He's he's just a low rent Shozama. I mean, that's really what he was. The, you know, the uh, the princess, you know, takes more action than he does. Yeah. Oh, I have a question then. Um, being that I am a sucker for uh, no, things of nostalgia, do you think um this cashes in on maybe the Or Battler Dunbine's fan fan um feeling of nostalgia for the original series, or you think this was a play? towards that to the Japanese public at all uh, when it came to I think it was just a check. I don't know because you know um, even though it goes down to, to bite it's got the elements it's got Bison well it's got the Oro Road yeah. it's got the Ferrarios it's got Jacoba you know it's got you know, and the Oro Battlers are insect looking it doesn't uh, seem the same it doesn't feel at all like yeah. Dunbine. Like I said earlier uh, Neo Bison well is the one that feels the most like the TV show mm -hmm. yeah this one just seems like it's got some of the elements, but they it, it kind of has sort of a G Savior feel. Yeah, you know, it's, it's got some of the elements, but it doesn't feel like the thing it's trying to be. Yeah, it's See? it's it's got one of those things where it's this is like AU, right? AU uh, Dunbine. I mean, it, it it's got like you said, it's got kind of those same things. Um, you know, it's like when people always complain about every AU series kind of mimics the one-year war to an extent. Right. It's got kind of that, but then there really doesn't seem anything outside. And, and, and even more detached with AU Gundam, because at least with AU Gundam, it seems like Gundam. This is just like, it's not even, it's not even Dunbine. Yeah, you're not going to get nostalgia feeling in this. Is, um, are, are these two OVAs, Garzi's Wing and... Um and, and uh, Wings of Rian, the only two OVAs that Tomino has done. Because as far as I can recall, I think they're the only two OVAs, at least I can think of, that he's done, right? Period. Just like over across the board. He's done movies. He's done TV it was an shows. OA, it was an OAV episode for uh, Elgheim, but I don't know if he directed that. Yeah. No, no problem. Do you think that Sunrise gives him carte blanche? At least on these two projects, as opposed to oh, this is all him. Things that he's done before, <laughs> like Turn A Gundam, um, it, within recent memory, Turn A Gundam, and um, and uh, what's this, the the show that followed that was uh, King Gainer. King, thank you, Overman King Gainer. Um, which you know, I, I think that Sunrise did a bit more policing on those shows, which probably allowed him not to go nuts with the story. But um, it seems that with these OVAs, he had full control. I don't know if I'd agree with that because if you, you look so? at if you look at Turn A, yeah, God, you know that that was a fight with. Sunrise, oh, because yeah. if it was up to Sunrise, it, it, it would not be White Devil with mustache. Oh, it would look, you know, it would look somewhat like the Arc seventy eight dash two. But Tomino to, I mean, lost on some things with Turn A. Like I, I guess it's been stated that I guess Lil Ron was supposed to be um, female, at least in his um, initial draft of the, of the of the story. Those are those are Tomino internet rumors. I wouldn't believe okay. them. Yeah, but I mean, you know, just like Tomino said this, Tomino said that. You know, mm -hmm. I, I anything that I read about, unless it's like in a magazine or in a book. Right. Or some reputable source, you know, anything I hear of, oh, Tamino said this or Tamino planned that, That's I don't believe saying. it. Yeah, and understandably and so. This is sort of a pattern of him being, he's been a little inconsistent since the 90s because mm -hmm. he did Garzi's Way, which we've established as garbage. <laughs> His follow-up to that was Brain Powered, which is really mediocre and just very meh. Mm -hmm. But then he followed that up with Turn A, which is amazing. 
Yep. Then he did Gainer, which which was a solid show. It's not perfect, but it was enjoyable. Right. And then he does this, which, as it stands now, uh, sadly, is the last new thing he's done because after this, he did the Zeta movies, which are not new material. That's just rehash or remix. Yeah. It's just a rehash. So you know, as it stands now, this is the last new thing that he's done. And uh, since there's no word of him working anything else, if this ends up being a swan song, that's pretty sad for someone who's had such a good career. Yeah, I'd um yeah, I I don't know if I I honestly think he had carte blanche on the on definitely on Wings of Rian. I just think you know, there just sometimes comes a point with these people, they just for whatever reason they they think that something's going to work and it just turns out the way it is. I mean, we we see it all the time with cinema and, and TV shows and yep. um Final I mean cut. because he it, I mean, it, like I said, it, in those couple episodes, the flashes of Tamino's brilliance are there and it's right. just like cuz I will say this the battles in this are so much better i mean you see you see the you know they look great and they're choreographed well but they don't mean anything there's no meaning to them when it comes to the story or anything like that but this the battle over tokyo i'm, I'm sure chris would agree it was, was animated very well and it was paced great when it comes to you know the flow of action nice. didn't mean anything and you know the reason why they were doing this was just pointless but it still looked great so but i and on top of that, that battle, as well animated as it was, came in the midst of you know one of these blitzes of here's a bunch of crazy stuff all yeah. happening at once, and it's a bunch of chaos, and you can't make sense of it. Yeah. And I don't mind something in a story being hectic because that's okay. You know, if it's like a war type story, it's, things are going to be hectic. But when you just have such an overwhelming blitz of information that makes no sense, it's being thrown at me. It doesn't make me want to watch more. It it bores me when there's so much going on. As contradictory as that sounds, as counterintuitive it is. So much information going on at once bores me. Yeah, because during this it's time, this, overload with yeah. this huge battle. This is what's going on. You have this huge battle happening over Tokyo Harbor and over Tokyo itself. You have this whole thing with the um, these American separatists trying to do this stuff, and then the Aesop's dad is like, "I can't do this," and all that. In the meantime, Aesop and the King are going through you know World War II history. And it's just like, what the hell is going on here? But, and the um, two crazy dudes are just randomly blowing up buildings in Tokyo. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> complaining about how Japan needs to be free, but then I just wiped out an office build, uh, you know, a seventy-story office building. Yeah. With people in it. With people in it. Yeah, it's just bizarre. But to put this to rest, Chris, I would say, I don't want to talk about this show anymore. Is <laughs> just, is because uh, I have you have the last say on this. I would say. This is for flushes. Wow. Yeah. Actually, you know what? Yeah, I might be a little harsh. Maybe, maybe three point seven five. I'm, I'm, I'm. That's not, that's, that's not the MHQ scale. It's either a half or a whole. Okay, three and a half then, because it might be a little harsh. Because I think I gave uh, Shadow Chronicles a four or something. This isn't as bad. This is bad, but it's not as bad as Shadow Chronicles. So. I say three and a half. That that's okay. my final say. All right. Um, I I would also give it a a three and a half flushes out of five because for all of the garbage that there is overall, there's a few elements here mm-hmm. that are interesting and a few characters that are interesting, but it's not enough to make up for the deficit of everything else that goes wrong with this. So in the end, to wrap up this three and one uh, Bison Well toilet, I would say they all get flush in the toilet and if you like the Dunbine TV show which you should watch because it is an anime classic don't bother watching these at all 
don't think that you're going to enjoy something out of it because it's the same world. There's nothing at all you're going to enjoy about this, and you're better off just enjoying the 49 episode TV show and leaving it at that because none of these live up to the standard of what that TV show was, and they all basically are failures in one way or another and just pointless. I think that's, I'll be honest with you, I think that's the thing that bothers me the most about this is just I see no point for them. Just like when I saw really no point for Shadow Chronicles or and the other the other side thing would be is who is this for? <laughs> and, and I don't some, I don't know. When when I when I when I watch something and the, and I start asking questions of what's the point and who is this aimed at? That's when you're just like, well, this is bad. So because I can I could maybe not enjoy something, but understand who it's aimed towards. That doesn't you know it may not be for me. That's fine. But this is just like whoa, whoa. So. And and the biggest thing is that it's there's just so much disappointment because the world of Byston Well could have been so expansive and there could have been you know so many possibilities with a properly made sequel. But each of these represents nothing but wasted potential, flushed down the drain, literally. Definitely feels that way. So with that, uh, that wraps up this third installment of uh, Anime Toilet. We did this this three in one for the first time, and um, who knows what uh, will be flushed down the toilet next time. Oh-ho. But we're gonna take a short break and be right back. You're listening to Gundam at MAHQ. I have something here for you. Your father wanted you to have this when you were old enough, but your uncle wouldn't allow it. He feared you might follow old Obi-Wan on some damn fool idealistic crusade like your father did. This episode of Gundam is brought to you by GoDaddy.com. Right now they're offering special discounts to our listeners. Just simply go to GoDaddy.com and use the code GUN8. For 10% off any order not already discounted. Gun 9. For $5 off purchases that are $30 or more on any items not already discounted. Dot com domain names are as low as $7.49 if you use the code GUN10. And last but not least, code 20H1 for 20% off hosting plans. For more information, you can go to Gundam.net and click on the GoDaddy link in the Sponsors and Special Offers section. Don't wait too long. The domain name you've always wanted might be claimed by someone else before you know it. Register with GoDaddy.com today. Greetings. I am Andrew Cook, the host of Pretentious Internet Theater. Each month, I bring you the finest in literature that internet fan fiction has to offer. Join us, won't you? At tinyurl.com slash pitpodcast. Remember, there is much drama on the internet, but only the best makes pretentious internet theater. Go away, Todd. If you want to come in, you are going to have to break down the goddamn door!
This segment of Gundam at MAHQ is brought to you by Petco. All right, everyone. Uh, welcome back to uh, Gundam at MAHQ. This is one of your hosts, Neo, and I'm joined here with uh, Solbro and Chris. Um, and this is going to be, it's, um, it's the winter time, and uh, we haven't done this in a while, but uh, now we get to talk about the second episode of the continuing OVA from Bandai, Gundam Unicorn. And uh, just for a side note, and this is your only warning, and you take this now or forever hold your peace on Mecha Talk, um, we're going to probably do some spoilers. So if you haven't seen Not it probably, yet. Not probably, definitely. Definitely. I was being uh, very political there, sorry. Um, but uh, thank you for bringing the Straight Talk Express. And uh, But yeah, we're going prob- to spoil some stuff. So if you haven't seen it yet as of listening to this episode, then uh, do this at your own peril. And we, we are not held responsible in any way, shape, or form for your lack of enjoyment of Episode 2 if you already know what's going to happen at the end. So, there you go. But uh, Episode 2, Gundam Unicorn, kind of starts off, basically starts off where we left at Adam Episode 1 with uh, the big um, reveal of the Unicorn going into the NDT mode. Um, we see that uh, Banniger basically whips the Kashiria's ass there for a while. Uh, but we see that, you know... There's basically some things that it does to the body. Uh, it's recovered by the near Argama, and uh, we get into this. This is going to be unlike the first episode where there was a lot of action. This one, we see a lot of all the political behind the scenes with uh, the representative of Anaheim. Those guys are always uh, always a thorn a thorn in the side of the Federation. Uh, we see the kind of um, kind of a Mexican standoff going on here with um, uh, the sleeves. The Federation, what is it, the Ecos, the, the Ecos leader, Echoist leader, the Anaheim guy, um, you know, before that, the, when they recover the unicorn, they find out the Banneker's in there, or Boniker, whatever you want to call him, potato, tom- tomato, tomato, um, and uh, then we have the most thrilling, exciting, awaited thing there is, Mullet Shar. Mullet Char shows up, um, you know, and of course everybody gets a little crazy because he sounds like him, looks like him, and oh my god, there's some mobile suits coming, but one of them's coming three times faster than the others. (laughs) And uh, so uh, begins the appearance of the Sananju, which is basically uh, Sazabi Part 2. Right. And um, so we see a whole bunch of things going on there. Um, The guys launch uh, of course what is it what's his name riddle riddle that guy yeah. uh he loses all his buddies in combat Uh-oh. because they get smoked by a uh, mullet char uh banner boniker goes out and the old uh, unicorn has to fight um you know fight mullet char and of course he gets captured he gets taken back to the sleaze um hideout in like this industrial colony asteroid mm-hmm. and of course we have some more political scheming uh discussion and some you know some of that um moral the morality of certain things going on with war and of course banner gets the realization that hey you can sit there and say you're not part of this and you have no responsibility but you you killed uh sergey at the at the uh anger of uh the ultra femme lieutenant angelo who just has a complete you know conniption about this stuff and um, we find out that the in the meantime the Federation is planning a um, an attack on this uh, colony called Palo, Palo. and uh, that's and that's where Banniger is. He's like with some family with Marita, and uh, he gets handed a note 
on the thing saying we're going to come get you and you need to join here and it ends with uh banner go going wow this peaceful place is going to become a battlefield so um any thoughts on uh the eight month uh <laughs> wait of episode two of uh, gundam unicorn uh the representative from miami chris what do you think or should Nothing, we just it doesn't exist. Or should we just read your review? Nothing you say matters at this point. We'll just read the review. Or are you just going to okay. read your review on MHQ? <laughs> yes, I think this was a good episode. <laughs> Four out of five stars. Um, yeah, I, I would have to say that um, unlike other series that have had very, very, very long pauses between episodes like Macross Zero, mm-hmm. this was worth the wait. Yeah. Yeah, I found if this was possible, and mind you, I I, um, I watched it on, on Blu-ray, which I did uh, pre-order and got uh, even before it came out. Thanks, Bandai. Oh, yeah. But, but they didn't send me the postcards that they included with some other people's orders, so thanks, Bandai. Anyway, um, if it's possible, I think the animation in this episode was better than the first episode. Man. I believe so, yeah. too. Both the, the CG and just the standard animation. The beginning fight. The, the, the fight with Kashiri at the beginning and... I mean, even the stuff once the Sananji shows up, it's just like, oh, this is just <laughs> that and the that and the sounds. That that that's what gets me is the um, it it reminds me of Double O where they've been consistent with all of the mobile suit sounds and the whole cockpit experience. I mean, that yeah. stuff going on in the cockpits is like, holy crap, fantastic. But well, you know, like when you see the the Sananji moving through that debris field and yeah. it's just zipping around and thrusting and maneuvering and you know back and forth darting and it's like that's just pure robot porn right there yeah especially coupled with you know the the panic nail argument guy like the lead bubble suit's coming in three times faster than the others <laughs> and it's red no he didn't say that but yeah, you know he- still um just the animation of the sananju that's just like I mean, it's no exaggeration when i say visual porn it's just a beautiful looking depiction of this mobile suit design which is probably the best design in all of Unicorn. Yeah. Wow. Because the, it, it manages, you know, it clearly draws its inspiration from the Sazabi, mm-hmm. but it manages to look different enough to be its own thing. Oh, yeah. Like, I would never look at these two next to each other and confuse them. Yeah. You know, it just looks that good. But um, that aside, you know, the, the story moved along at a pretty good clip. You know, again, for all of us, we've never read the novels because they're not in English, so we can only judge it from the perspective of how it functions as an anime rather than as an adaptation. But... You know, the movement of the story of, you know, Banagher being on the Nail Argama, uh, going out and getting captured by Full Frontal, meeting with Full Frontal and having a pretty long conversation with him, uh, you know, meeting with, uh, with uh, Marita, having a little conversation with her. You know, it all, it all seems like you, it would take longer than an hour for that stuff to happen. So a lot of stuff does happen in this one hour, even though there's only two battles in it mm-hmm. compared to, you know, all of the battles that were in the first episode, but the story moves forward a lot. Yes, it so the story progression is good. The character interaction is good. Um, you know, I like the, uh, the reaction from Banagher when uh, he realizes that, uh, that Audrey is actually Maneva Zabi. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he's still undeterred with his blind Gundam boy idealism. Yeah. But um, I was a little surprised by the, um, the increasingly bitchy reactions from his, his female friend who definitely is the Fraubo because she's being ignored and ain't happy about it. Mm. Yeah. It's evident when, you know, when he wakes up in the infirmary uh, under the care of good old Dr. Hassan from the Argama. Yep. People, oh. You know, the good old, good old pervert who likes to do lots of medical examinations on females that involve them taking their tops off. 
it was really good to see him though you know i i didn't think he survived up to that point you know i thought you know the, the good old universal century would have did him in <laughs> but hey if you don't see him die they didn't die there you go there you go but um you know it's obvious when when he opens his eyes and like the very first thing he says is audrey yeah this chick mccott's like what rage and then later when um when the fanboy uh takuya he's like hey let's go check out these um let's go check out that gundam and she's like whatever <laughs> yeah she just has this like like just look of like just anger on her face like damn it's not even your boyfriend get over yourself but anyway, um, you know, I like the the conversation between uh, Banniger and Full Frontal, where they're they're talking back and forth about things, and um, you know, things like what the box is, and Banniger talking about how you know that the discovery of certain knowledge can change the world in an instant, and he's talking about things like you know nuclear weapons and mobile suits and all these things. So this is sort of like a historical grounding for what he's saying, and um, you know, of course, he he asks the question that everyone has on their minds: is Are you Shar as novel? And Full Frontal just gives the quintessential Char-type answer of, 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 you know, well, I'm just a vessel for people's hopes, and, and if, if Char as novel is what they want, then that's who I'll be. I like the fact that um, Banniger wouldn't speak to him until he took off the mask. I thought yeah, that, I, was... I, I mean, on that, that's like one of the, you know, for all these, all these other Gundam shows that we've ever seen. No one's ever said that. Nobody's ever sat there when they've been with the, you know, with the antagonist there and said, hey, look, I don't mind talking to you, but you need to take off the mask because it's rude. I cool thought that movie. was freaking so cool. It's just like that kid, the, the kids, his, his thing just shot up there on the, on the, um, you know, on the scale of pilots. It's like, uh, you know. Move over, Koaraki. Here comes Banniger Lakes. <laughs> even though, I mean, even before, it, when, I, when I saw the actual line art of Banniger, it was like he was above uh, Ko already, so. <laughs> uh, I'll, and, uh, you know, I'd have to say characters who move to the annoying column. One of them would definitely be Angelo Sauper, who just, um, he just thinks that he's so damn special. And he's just like, he's a dandy. Yeah. He's an annoying, puffed up dandy. And, you know, when he started, like, getting all pissy with Banniger, like, you're a hypocrite, and I'm going to stick my boot in your face. I ruined the, the captain's perfect battlefield. It's like, dude, get over yourself. You're just a pretty boy, and you're a dork. Reminds me of the guy from Escaflone, the dandy from Escaflone. Are you talking about, um... Uh, the one, the dude looks like a lady. Yeah. Yeah. Dude looks like yeah, a lady. Yeah, yeah, so, he sort of, he certainly has that, the, the annoyance of Delando. Delando, yeah. Um, like now, it's Landau combined with um, with Guinea Gus, except Guinea Gus had some balls, but th- that's that's just me. Um, also, and, and I don't know if you guys would agree, but uh, the character of uh, Alberto Vist mm-hmm. just shot up to like my the very top of most annoying Gundam characters ever, like even higher than Monsha. Yeah, wow. this guy just won't shut the hell up. Yeah, and and as we see, that impacts the plot when when Daguza is um, talking on the open line to uh, Mineva and he's like playing a game and she's playing along with him and then Alberto opens his fat stupid mouth and ruins everything Yeah. and uh, interestingly if you were listening to it in Japanese um, maybe you didn't catch it but if you listen to it again you'll, you'll hear it um, Alberto is played by the same dude who did Garrett Ran which okay. makes him the latest former Gundam hero to come back as sort of a yeah. antagonistic bad person kind of role. I would have never guessed unless I looked at uh, ANN. Wow, that's cool. If you go back and listen to it now, you can definitely hear a little bit of Garrett in his voice in between all of these stupid things that he says. Yeah, that guy was annoying. Oh. Uh, one of the things I thought was the most interesting part was the conversation that um, Banniger has with Marita inside that chapel. Yeah. 
and uh, she's talking about how you know that Universal Century was supposed to be the end of the era of God, and that all of the you know um, downtrodden masses who were tossed into space and left to live in the harsh frontier that you know that they found a new light to replace God, and that that light was Zeon. Mm-hmm. And if you think about it, the way she puts that, um, it really ties together a lot of the d- disparate elements of all of these different Gundam shows because you wonder after after a time like. What is it about the Zeon that they keep losing, but people are so fanatically devoted to this idea, this um, you know, this um, idealized vision of what they think Zeon is, which is totally not the reality of what it is, yet they're still devoted to this idea. Yeah. And it makes perfect sense that you know, if they were tossed out there and basically left to, um, to rot while the fat cats ended up on Earth and... Um, it sort of would make sense that that uh, these ideas of Zeon, you know, of you know, fighting for space or independence, would sort of become like a religion to these people. Certainly. And you know, a religion that um, is built entirely upon uh, faith and wants and desires, rather than the reality, because we know the reality is that Zeon, you know, they dropped colonies on Earth, they gassed colonies, they committed every sort of atrocity possible against the very people that they claim to be fighting for, and yet. You know, like any religion or cult or whatever, those transgressions will be overlooked by the faithful. Sounds like uh, sounds like real life. <laughs> exactly. I mean. Exactly, and you wonder, like, it kind of explains people. Like, for example, you look at say um, Gato and Delos from Double Eighty Three. Neither of those people are bad guys in any sort of sense of the word. You know, um, they both have a code of honor that they believe in. You know, they're they're lines that they're not willing to cross. You know, they. They're not doing what they're doing just for the sake of destruction. You know, they believe in what they're doing. They, you know, in any other context, they would be stand-up guys. The only problem is that all of the things that they're doing are in the service of a fanatical dictatorship that they blindly believe is the greatest thing ever. Yeah. You know, and, and people like that, you know, you can, you can see now, it's like, okay, those guys probably felt this way about Zeon, that it was their guiding light and their, their religion of... You know this this thing to live by and this goal to attain, even though what they were fighting for was um, not at all what they thought it was. You can almost call it a space crusade. I mean, it sort of is. Yeah, I mean, a lot of horrible things happened during the crusades, but everybody fought with conviction, and it, it's almost like they have the same kind of blind conviction. Well, not everyone. Some oh, some yeah. fought just for profit and rape. That and is destruction, true. which we've seen also in um in 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 the Universal Century as well. With, with certain characters, but yeah, it, it, it's almost like you know those who are fully devoted. You know, it's it's a it's a religious calling, and um, they feel like they're fighting a holy war. And um, it almost equates to that. Hence, you know, some of the um, allusions to terrorism and 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 due to their beliefs and, and all that stuff. It, it, you, you raise a very good point. It made me think back to in episode one the conversation that Cardius had with Zinnerman, where they're talking about new types. And he talks about how, you know, there was all this hope that new types would usher in an era of peace, but then they be- just became weapons for mad scientists, and then yeah. people lost faith in new types and what they can do. So this conversation between Banneger and Marita kind of served the same purpose of taking all these separate elements that have been depicted in various Gundam shows, mm-hmm. and then just kind of encasing them together in an explanation that weaves it all together and makes sense. Yeah, that and the whole when they have the dinner conversation and the little kids sitting there talking trash to Banniger, 
And, yeah. you know, and, and, and it, it's one of the things where Banniger, this is when you see him just like going up the levels of, of the Gundam, you know, the Gundam leads here. And, you know, okay, he's feeling kind of sorry for himself because he's been dragged into this and he, you know, he got the realization that he killed that pilot and everything mm -hmm. like that. But this kid's sitting there talking trash about, you know, the Federation does this, the Federation does that. And freaking Banniger just tells that kid, like, hey, look, you might think Zeon's the greatest thing ever, but they do the same thing. And I mean, he shut that little kid up and you got like the guys, you got the kid's dad just sitting there and it's like, he knows because he's probably some former, you know, Neo Zeon soldier or whoever. And well, his dad know, looks like he's probably been an, an old timer from like yeah. 0079. Yeah. So, I mean, it's like he under, it's like he completely understood where, you know, uh, justice, a justice in a war is based on the side that you're on and you know the victors are always going to see their uh, you see their light is being justified and the people that got defeated are always going to see like it was unjust mm -hmm. and it's the same thing the other thing i liked at the end of that conversation was that uh marita gives banner the advice like not to worry about these things when he's fighting because you you have to survive yeah and also that when he asked her if she's also a pilot she just goes oh uh just when they need um some extra people sometimes, and, and she does not at all mention the fact that she was the pilot of the Kshatriya. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I like that too. You know, and she she just had no point. In, she had no she had no reason to, to 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 say that to him. And I love the fact that she kept that obscure. I, I love that. I, that. I thought that was one of the coolest. She she's really warming up to me as a character. Um, I I, I you know she seems as, as Neo had mentioned. Um, she she reminds me a lot of Kshatriya. Um, but uh, at the same time, you know, you can see a little bit of a a play in her as well. It's it's. She's, I don't uh, see that at all. You don't see that. At I don't all? see any Kashiri in her. I don't <laughs> see. I mean, she she's kind of got that. You know that that one is like this mass manipulative woman who. Yeah, that's true. You know, would stab any, anyone in the back for power. Blue in her either, plea or whatever the hell you her know, name was. Well, but she she is because she's well, a clone. I, I see that. I mean, I see the resemblance, but I don't see did, anything did, with the. Uh, did, did you did you expect to see her uh, running through the halls naked and screaming? Still waiting. <laughs> yeah, I don't think so. Well, it, it, it's nice too. I, I think I think she outgrew that uh, when she got stuck in the whorehouse. I don't oh, know. Snap. I, 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 it's nice too because I don't. I'm sure it was probably written that way in the novel, but it's nice to see that when they're doing the the screenwriting for the episode that they didn't do the old. Uh, anime staple of like, oh, I'm the, you know, I'm the pilot of the of I'm the mobile like, suit, you know, of the green mobile suit with the wings or something like and that. Next time we meet, it'll be on the battlefield, and one of us will die. Yeah, I must explain. I'm the person who punched you during Ray, the last battle. Which, which really, brings... I'm the one who made you vomit all over yourself. Oh, I know that was funny. Um, which really makes you, uh, which really makes you want them to bring. You know, here translate the novel so basically you could see what's going on because it's it seems that that you know because that's that seems like more of something that would be out of the book. You know, it's it's not Hollywoodized or you know whatever. But but you know, um, I did see a little flash of Pudu in her when um, at the beginning of the episode when um, when the unicorn transforms and it's attacking her and she's dodging its shots and she's like Gundam, Gundam. Gundam yeah. is the enemy. Yep. Yeah. And you wonder if like that that maybe like that brings back some either some bad memories for her or some brainwashing since we know that uh, Glemmy was doing all sorts of nasty nasty things and uh, you know basically just using all these Pudu clones as uh, living weapons and that he you know was brainwashing 
um, the original Puru. So maybe she had some brainwashing of that variety that uh, the Gundam is the enemy because he did that exact thing to the original. And you get the sense with the, the way that everyone, everybody starts seeing that it's a Gundam. I think this, it seems like Unicorn's that transition point in the Universal Century, like we've seen in like late, the, you know, chronologically in later uh, incarnations of the Universal Century that, you know, the Gundam is associated with like, oh crap, this is the death destruction machine. And, you know, it's like everybody's kind of shocked that this thing is a Gundam. It's like, oh man, this is not good, you know. Yeah, in, the fanboy, he's all, but the fanboy's excited. Oh yeah, well, I mean, he's you know, excited. The thing about that guy is, uh, and, and, and when he excitedly talks about how Neil Argama was the flagship of, of the Gundam team in the first Neo Zeon War, <laughs> yeah. it, it seems like, like, like that story just plucked one of us. Or, or, or say Nagi Kiong or just some like big Gundam <laughs> fanboy and just drop them into the Universal Century and they're like, oh my god, this is actually the real deal. This is amazing. Yeah. yeah he's the audience. That's the way he reacts. Like, oh my god. You know, and he gets excited and he thinks that the Delta Plus is the Hyakushiki. I mean, this guy is like possibly more of a mobile suit nerd than we are. Yeah, exactly. Oh, man. But anything else, Chris? Before we send it over to Solbro for his analysis. Um, you know, thankfully the, the wait for episode three is only four episodes. Four months. Four or four months this time. But um, I will say that um, they could do a better job with uh, the discs um, as far as uh, extras because <laughs> yeah. all of the extras are just recycled BD Live material from the first disc. And uh, the BD Live, when I tried to access it for this, really didn't work. It's like, would it be so hard for you guys to just put some of this damn stuff on the disc? A little, little QC. <laughs> Especially since you're charging sixty dollars for them. I mean, I didn't pay sixty dollars because I pre-ordered it and it was forty dollars. But still, you lot. know, forty dollars for me for a single Blu-ray is a lot, and I only paid that much because I know that what I'm getting is good. But yeah. you could sweeten the deal a little bit. Oh, of course. You know, take advantage of the medium. You know, it's Blu-ray. You know, it's capable of a whole lot more than just providing the show and you know maybe. Well, it's not even that. If you're not going to offer anything, just put it down to where it's like everything else. I mean. Yeah. A and, lot of Blu-rays are pretty bare bones, so it's yeah. like I don't have a problem paying twenty bucks for them. I believe but. they did some commentaries on BD Live for the first one, but yeah. I'm just not a fan of BD Live, especially because the BD Live features when I've accessed them on Unicorn are just really slow to download. It's like if I've paid you this much for this product, I don't want to have to go and download a bunch of special features that are gonna take forever to download. Yeah, it, it's it's pointless. Just put the garbage on the disc. I mean, hell, Double uh, O in Japan, the DVDs had some uh, commentary tracks here and there with the director and some of the voice actors. Mm-hmm. You could have done that right on the disc here rather than doing it as BD Live. As an afterthought or something. Why, why do I have to waste my time downloading stuff for the, for the purpose of this when I've already bought the Blu-ray? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I would just say Bandai, please, um, more on-disc material than, than uh, BD Live next time. Or or lower the price. If you're not going to lower offer, the price, yes. Lower the price, yeah. I mean, there's there's no reason to spend sixty dollars uh, for uh you know for something that's not there. I mean, hell, the those Blu-ray DVD combo things aren't even that much. No, they're not. So. I mean, unfortunately, there's there's it's not like you know fans like me are in a position to demand much because I'm going to buy the damn things anyway. Oh, yeah, of course. You know, they've, they've already got me for the first two. They're going to get me for the next four. I'm going to end up buying them all at, you know, 35 or $40 a pop. So, yeah. you know, but still. And they're laughing be- right now in their evil dungeon going, he sat there and said all those things about Peter. 
And now he's just like Peter. <laughs> and Peter's still probably laughing at you too. So, but so yeah, but well. you know what? I, I wasn't a chump, but spending um, you know forty dollars, forty dollars <laughs> for for two or three episodes on DVD. <laughs> yeah, I don't mind spending forty dollars to get an hour's worth of content in gorgeous high definition Blu-ray. Yeah, but so I'm still laughing at Peter. Sorry, Peter. All right, now this is the moment you've been waiting for, Soul Bro. Wait up, wait and up, and up. his Jay Leno Wayne of Unicorn. Well, uh, just uh, Chris is yeah, most of the, the, the best parts of this. It's uh, the best of <laughs> Chris has gone over some, uh, pretty much most of the best points <laughs> of this of this review our our discussions. So uh, I'll just get into things that um that he didn't talk about or or to just touched upon. Um, one of the things I really loved about this episode is that we um. There were a lot of great interactive moments between characters. Um, Chris had brought up the, the the meeting between the the, the new Red Comet and, and Boniger, um, and also had brought up a. You can say his name. It's Full Frontal. Banniger or oh, Full Frontal. And, yeah, you um, can say it. Brought up the uh, conversation between Marita and um, Banniger as well. But um, one of the one of the conversations I really really enjoyed was uh, Riddy and um, Audrey in her um, when she was under arrest in her quarters. And um, the little subtle things that were revealed in that conversation, like the fact that their families might be somewhat connected in the past, and the fact that he has a bit more, um, he has a bit more. Well, they're politicians, so that it, it would yeah. have been in. in, in well, you, in, you do understand who he is, right? The, yeah. I, that's what I wanted to ask. The, I know the last name Marcinius. Who was? Who was? Um, who is he connected to? The prime minister from UC zero zero one. Who yeah. was blown up? The guy that got blown up. Yeah. Thank you. Okay. I, I, th- that's something I should have known. <laughs> yes, you should have known. Yeah, should have known. You know the the opening shot of yeah. the uh, of the first episode. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know where 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 these like my name is Ricardo Marcinus and yeah. you know when they talk in episode two like Marcinus. Yeah. You know that he comes from that family, which obviously now being retconned in, into Universal Century is a very important political family. Influential as well, and sort of the 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 Space Kennedys, I guess. Wow. <laughs> that's a way to. Quit it. Or or the space bushes, I don't know. Yeah, which or make him, space Lincoln, which probably make him of uh, the Robbie Kennedy of the bunch, but uh, or the Ted Kennedy of the bunch. But um, no, he. he I, I never like see him drink, so. Oh, wait, I don't know. I don't. Th- I don't think Riddy uh, crashed a mobile suit into a into a. <laughs> in a, a ditch in a colony <laughs> and, and let a a pilot trainee uh, drown while he stumbled away. And, and go. Emma, Emma. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I like I, I, I've come to enjoy his character quite a bit I, I didn't think I'd like him as much as I did um, he kind of seems like a, a, a mood Laflaga before he got badass so you know it's not that he has a new type or anything like that but he's kind of like he a had a flash character hey he, he, had, he a had a flash, flash. and he, oh, he yeah. survived getting attacked by full frontal so yeah. he did. So he's he, the only <laughs> one of the Romeo crew that, that survived yeah you know, he, Commander Norm <laughs> I just thought it was uh, all I thought of is if I didn't know any better I thought it was uh, the fat guy from Cheers it's like <laughs> <laughs> and I'd ask section anybody for, for showing Commander <laughs> Norm and putting Norm, Norm from Cheers' <laughs> face on it Commander sure Norm to Cliff Clavin yeah, Cliff Clavins is wingman. Yeah. Oh man! But I was just flying with those dudes. But um, no, you got to see the interaction between him and his fellow pilots before they got murked. And um, he just seems like a really likable character. Yeah, one Joker talking and junk and then can't even make it off the catapult. <laughs> <laughs> I'll see you. Don't get scared out there, rookie. Straight blast. It's it's like uh, like the space pilots, the Valkyrie pilots, curse from Frontier. Like you know, if you if you're talking about love in the cockpit, you're gonna die. You're getting done. <laughs> Gosh. Don't talk shit before you take off. 
But um, yeah, he he he's a real intriguing character. You got to see more insight on um Audrey and her um what she's had to endure over the last ten years, being on the run, you know, um avoiding from being captured and 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 hitting hitting Riddy with some truths that he hadn't even considered to the point where he he changes his mind towards the end of the uh, episode and helps to break her out of the ship. So, you know, they, there's a bond being built between those two. Um, you got this, you got to also see that Banneger was getting both sides of the coin. Hey, he wants he wants a little bit of play off old Audrey. Maybe so. Why Maybe wouldn't you? Trying to hook up. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of uh, surprising characters, I'd also add someone who surprised me, uh-huh. uh, Daguza. Yes. Because if you look at this guy, he looks like your typical, like, jock. Top mm-hmm. dork. Flat top military American type gung ho. Let's kill everyone and ask questions later. Oh, kind of yeah. guy, but you know he's he's actually pretty smart. And oh, yeah. uh, you know uh, at the end when he uh, wants to go into Palau to to rescue Banninger because we he says we owe it to him. Yes, he sir. Seems like a pretty decent guy. I mean I don't know how that'll develop over time, but um, he's a nice contrast for your typical like either asshole or incompetent <laughs> Federation officer. You'd look at him and think he's going to be an antagonist throughout the story. Yes, be a total douche. And he turns out to be awesome, which is great. Well, it's because it's because he's part of the special forces, and he knows what's up. I, like this guy, you can tell is kind of in the know more so than than the actual captain, who yeah. seems to be pretty incompetent. You know what the the, the captain he reminds me of? Who does he remind you? Of? He's he's sort of like a space Dante. There you go. Yeah. Like like I wasn't even supposed to be at this side today. Nice. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. What are we doing here? <laughs> you know, because he, he gives bad orders. He, he lazily decides to blow up that Salamis, which gives away their position. He mm-hmm. forgets his orders. It's like, he send out the mobile suits, but you have said to bring them back. And it's, a, like, it's like, do you want to send them out again? He's like, ah, just shoot it with our main guns. He had a tantrum in the elevator. He had a tantrum in the elevator. It's like, he, he doesn't he just seem like a space Dante? Yeah. yeah. I, I don't know how he inherited the Nahal Argama, but um, I guess that's... Dude, they've been through how many wars where they've won, killed how many millions of people? Oh. You start to, you start to uh, d- drag from the bottom of the, uh, of the talent pool. Hey, you know, it's like... <laughs> It's it's like uh, it's like Donald Rumsfeld famously said one time. You sometimes go to war with uh, not the army that you want, but the army that you have. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's a very true statement. <laughs> yeah, but um, gosh, uh, I oh um, getting back to uh, Dogza. Um, he's also, uh, you know, I watched both versions in English and Japanese. And uh, Richard Epcar. Richard Epcar. Yeah, I gotta give props to Richard because he always brings it in almost every, in, in, in every role that he does, even if he's in um, Shadow Chronicles. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he still brings it. So I uh, uh, shout out to Richard Epcar for doing his voice, and he he embodied that character. Perfectly. Shout out for doing your job, yeah. sir. Hey man, continue yeah. on your with your career. Yeah, Soulbro okay. gives you the the okay. I gotta give credit where credit is due. Um, I'm glad you're actually working, sir. Thank I was I was also worried about, uh, uh, at first, Keith Silverstein as full frontal. Um, but he was creepily Sharish. Yeah, he was creepily Sharish, and I'm f- most familiar with him from uh, Monster as he played Johan, the main villain in Monster. So I was wondering how he's going to sound how, as full frontal. How and... dare you turn your back in Akeda? <laughs> no. If I have a choice to no, listen, let me, let me, how I'll, dare you? Give me a chance uh, to no, get to that No, point. You, you don't. No, uh, I'm not even. I already knew no Akeda was going to be 100%. Let me, let me I'm tell just you, saying. I watched this in Japanese first just to hear it him. It doesn't matter. Just Once you him. don't listen to it in English <laughs> because it's. Ikeda. If there was a way with technology yeah. to have everybody else's voice go to English and keep and keep him keep him as Ikeda, 
I would do that. And I'm telling this to you, Blu-ray people. Figure this out. <laughs> the only character talking to Japanese. In an <laughs> How <English> dare you? <laughs> How dare you, sir? No, I'm, no, I, I, I am no. Ikeda, Ikeda, wonderfully so um, brought back. Um, brought, it, it made me reminiscent of um, all the other times that I've witnessed him as Char, and um, he didn't miss a beat with Full Frontal. Uh, he uh, he really. He really, he, he, it just... He spouted out those classic lines of, you know, let me see what you can do, Gundam, and, you know, it doesn't matter how powerful it is if it can't hit me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what about yeah, that? Team. What about that battle? That battle Ooh. was so reminiscent of the first, of the escape from Side 7 and, and, and MSG, and it's just like, I mean, it, and even the fact where you got Mullet Char sitting there saying, like, like I've, I've done this before. <laughs> <laughs> You know, and, and you know, Banneker is just sitting there with the freaking Uber damn uh, that freaking ba- badass beam rifle with the clip, and it's just like, you know, he's doing the same thing that dumbass Armro did. He's just sitting there wasting his energy, yep. and then still gets a freaking uh, you know a roundhouse Chuck Norris roundhouse in the midsection. He got there, he so. got the shark kick, the classic yeah. shark kick. I'm glad that they did show that he had flaws in this game because I was afraid he would um he he pretty much roll through with perfects and whatnot throughout the um you know every time he got into the overly powered unicorn Gundam that you know he would you know never never lose a fight and I was glad that so early in the game that he did and and, and, and which led to his capture so um uh, getting back to my um, my point with Banniger I, I was glad to see that he had um exposure to both sides of the conflict in this first episode and it second brought, episode brought something, huh this is the second episode well, in, this, in, in the second episode this episode but um <laughs> I'm glad that you know it, it was a it was a vehicle for us to get to know everybody on both sides of the conflict as well so well no they do it they do it in every villain. Gundam they just accelerated in this one yeah, usually yeah. usually this is like this is like in episode 30 40s when you start you know the episode the 40s when if this was like a full length thing where mm-hmm. you know it's no you must meet your antagonist that's been you, <laughs> you know which which you know and understand over. that you are doomed to fight them anyway even if you like them yeah if you like them and um you should have remembered that from uh, the romper all character that you <laughs> fought earlier <laughs> romper all he said that he set the pace but yeah the the the, the conversation between uh banneger and uh and full frontal was probably one of the high, my highlight of the episode, and um, yeah, overall, uh, it was well worth the wait. This this OVA, uh, I can't wait for the next one, especially since but uh, you will have to. Yeah, we, we got no choice. Yeah, we have to um, for a few months. So. I love the fact that it ends on the the realization for Banneger that the same thing that happened to his colony is about to happen to this one, and it kind of gives you that feeling of doom that's about well, this, to go down. This one's going to be a little bit worse because they were trying that they're, they're, it's like it's collateral damage in Industrial yeah. Seven. Mm-hmm. He knows the Federation's going to go out here and just freaking wipe these oh people out. God, the people yeah. are going to get immolated, man. It's over. So. <laughs> but yeah, it leaves you on a note of suspense, and uh, I cannot wait. I, I, I guess I'm, I'm just not. glad they didn't do the whole you know cliffhanger bullcrap. That was nice to not have. Very, sometimes that gets old. The, the the wait for the next one is going to be excruciating, and um, I, I I give it the I give it a a, a four. Four star rating. I gotta say. Well, we haven't gotten to that point yet. Well, but but Chris, Chris gave his rating just now, <laughs> earlier. But um, oh, I don't think he gave your rating, did you, Chris? Uh, well, I gave my rating when I reviewed it. When yeah, I reviewed it. Which but... was four stars. Yeah. So naturally, that would be the same here, because otherwise, well, it I was going to conclude with that, but that's fine. I'm sorry. Solbro screwing up the. That's what I do. The segment again. Oh As man. Usual. But anything else, Solbro? I'm solid, man. You take it. All right. Well, that was a grand, glorious mullet. And I, I was glad to see that, you know, they took the care to keep the detail of the mullet in every picture. And, uh, yeah, no, I mean, um, it, you know, this was it. 
I mean, this this is the, the title of the episode alone is it's what everybody was wanting, and you know this is the payoff, and it and it paid off, and it paid off because you know you not only see them fighting out in space, but you also have the whole um, you know you have the whole moral dilemma thing and the whole discussion with Banneker and and um, you know the like like Chris stated the the coyness of uh, of Shar where it's like oh I'm gonna be whoever they think they want me to be and right. you know and all this other stuff and uh, of course uh, the pacing was pretty um, pretty outstanding because a lot happened but it wasn't a mess like you know uh, like Wings of Rain maybe um, but you know it's 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 a lot of things were going on there was a lot of talking and a lot of explanations but it wasn't one of these things where sometimes i get really annoyed with an anime is they get too cerebral or something like this it's just like hey this is what it is things are messed up oh yeah by the way you might think the federation's great but who do you think's keeping the zeon around as a a, you know as kind of a scapegoat and you know it kind of makes you wonder of a lot of things and um you know and and like you guys said you're, you're starting to see the whole the whole thing with some of these characters where initially some characters in the first episode you thought were kind of good and some were annoying and now it's just kind of reversing others you just want to get rid of and you know space them do the old bsg spacing alberto there but um you know it's uh it was definitely i'm glad that even though we had to wait a long time for this episode it didn't disappoint and i think that's something that chris was bringing up earlier is other OVA sometimes when you had to wait so long they became progressively worse and um you know this was good on every point uh music animation story flow um i actually really it, it it's nice because yeah some things are kind of getting a little retconned when it comes to what we've known about uh uc uh you know uc timeline in the before but it's not one of these things where it's overpowering and it's not just done just to be done there's some you know it's it, it's there's some semblance or some reason behind what they're doing and you can see that um you know they're kind of in a way trying to with the story the they're updating the universal story type of feel where it seems very um you know contemporary with our times now and, and that was the thing that people always said when it came to double o it's like wow you know this is the first gundam that seems like it's like really current social commentary because sometimes some of the other gundams seem like they were still stuck in 1979 when it came to some of their stuff but um you know it's uh it's definitely going to be nice i mean i would i would imagine that this next episode is going to have a heck of a lot of um uh, heck of a lot of action and uh how how uh how appropriate that the delta plus can do atmospheric re-entry and uh, it looks like it's going to Riddy, and uh, he's already said to Mineva, come to Earth with me. So we know that's going to be happening. So I could just, um, are we, are we going to have a Zeta Gundam fight in, uh, in, in, in space again? We could only... Well, let, 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 let me tell you, um, you know, from, from what I under, know of the novels, um, they do kind of hit up some former uh, Universal Century hotspots. We get another little visit to good old Dakar again. Nice. Well, and I'm sure that's the first place they're taking her after they a, make a, a little uh, little visit to the uh, Torrington base in Australia. Mm, nice. So, uh, you know, we'll see uh, how these things are depicted in anime form. I wonder if we'll get to see the camp, the bright cameo like in the books. Man. Oh, I'm sure. Well, they, they already they already mentioned him in the first episode. So, 
you know, I, I would imagine, if anything, I mean, I'm not going to expect him, like, come flying in and, you know, on, on some battle chariot and save the day, but I wouldn't be surprised if it, I, I mean, I'm sure it'll be something like, you know, a screen, you know, they're calling into the Londo, what is it, Ladinium, and, uh, you know, speaking with them, so, but that's okay. I mean, that that's fine. I, I don't need to see him, you know, come save the day again. He, he, he's already done it many times. I, I know what he can do, so... <laughs> But um, yeah, I would put a, I would put the old four stars of the MHQ um, uh, rating when it comes to episode two here. And uh, any final thoughts of Gundam Unicorn, of mullets in space, of anything despite, before we? Well, despite its lack of features on the Blu-ray, I, 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 I encourage everybody to go out and pick it up, especially since Black Friday is coming up. I'm sure the National Retail Association appreciates your endorsement there. On Cyber Monday, take your pick. So, but uh, Chris, anything else uh, before we go? Watch this thing does not exist. And also, read Chris's review about this show that doesn't exist on MHQ.net, and see if he contradicts himself, and then and then and then and then attack him on Mecha Talk. Sorry, Chris, I couldn't help it. But thanks, buddy. <laughs> You're a real pal. Culture. <laughs> you know that MD guy stuff's getting old. Uh, <laughs> oh man, why'd you have to, why'd you have to go there? Dumbass. Um, why? Uh, <laughs> why are you insulting the listeners, man? That's hey not man, cool. they're gonna troll. Make sure you got everything backed up before you start trolling. <laughs> I'm not sure that that counts as trolling, but whatever floats your boat, man. Whatever. But uh. All right, well, that was our uh, thoughts of Episode 2 of Gundam Unicorn, um, eight months after Episode 1. And, and, sh- and actually, it's, all, it's two times faster. Episode 3 will be out in four months. So, um, you know, we'll, we'll catch you on the flip side there. But uh, you're listening to Gundam and MHQ. We'll be right back. Next. I said next. God damn it, this is not the DMV, alright? Move it along. Hi, I'm Mitsugi. And I'm Hatake. And we're the hosts of Anime Addicts Anonymous Podcast. AAAPodcast.com. Listen up, anime fans. Do you find yourself spending tons of money on anime DVDs and merchandise? Wishing you drove a Gundam to work instead of your car? singing J-pop music in the shower? If you do any of these things, you might be an anime addict. At the Anime Addicts Anonymous podcast, we have one mission, to turn your anime addiction into an obsession. We entertain our listeners with current anime news, celebrity guest hosts, hilarious discussion topics, and fair, unbiased review on current and past anime. Here are a few testimonials. I used to be a total anime noob. Now I know so much about anime that I can say, Spike was caught riding on a Tachkoma eating Pocky wearing a Hidden Leaf Village headband while looking at a foldout of Revy in a Death Note, and know exactly what that means. Now that I listen to the Anime Addicts Anonymous podcast, I never have to watch a bad anime again. They watch them, so I don't. So visit us at aaapodcast.com and submit anime review requests on our forum and tune in on iTunes so you can always have the latest in news and reviews. So get obsessed with Anime Addicts at the AAA. And remember, we're here for you. I'm t-
tired of other anime podcasts being such a starfest. My plan was perfect, but there was one thing I overlooked. One factor I failed to calculate. He's a dumbass. I hate Narutards. Oh my god, he's wet. And I'm sick of the giant Moe monster wreaking havoc in my anime city. So what's my solution? Make a better podcast than everyone else. Well, at least I try anyway. Join me, Josh Dunham, as I talk about my ideas and opinions about current Japanese music, games, and anime. You can find my weekly podcast at www.animation.blogspot.com. That's A-N-I-M-E-S-H-O-N. I review the new shows and manga coming out of Japan, as well as ye old goodies. So check me out. I'm only a Google search away at Animation. A-N-I-M-E-S-H-O-N. Happy birthday. How to say? Well, you could say thank you. Thank you. Gun damn it, Jim. What the hell is the matter with you? Other people have birthdays. Why are we treating yours like a funeral? Bones, I don't want to be lectured. Welcome back to Gundam at MAHQ. This is Sobro Ryu closing out um, episode 67. And um, of course, I was joined by my co-hosts, Chris and Neo. Um, in this episode, we talked about, uh, well, we, we finally flushed the toilet again as we um, delved into the, le- the realm of Bison Toilet and discussing the, uh, the OVA series that uh, preceded or uh, sorry, uh, followed uh, Ora Battler Dunbine that were based in Bison Well. Uh, that would be... Uh, uh, tales of Neo Bison Well, uh, Garzy's Wing, and of course uh, Wings of Rian, the most recent installment of that series. And uh, we, we weren't as kind, although we still love Tomino. Uh, also, we finally reviewed, or we discussed, the latest episode of uh, Gundam Unicorn. That would be episode two, which doesn't uh, exist. Which doesn't exist, of course. And um, we had a great, we had a ball. We, we, had, we had a palate cleanser with that discussion. And um, before we close out, any um, anything else to add, gentlemen? Yes, um, I appeared on the SBO podcast, which is hosted by Scott, or he's better known on the Mechatalk forums, uh, the Falsaurus. Whoa, awesome! We discussed Dresden Files, the the books, not the uh, not the crappy TV show. Although we did mention the the crappy TV show a little bit. Oh <laughs> man! So the episode hasn't been released as of us recording this right now, but um, I'm sure it'll be out by the time this is, and I'm sure Sobro will include a link to that in the show notes, but uh, if you want to check out his other episodes, it's at sbopodcast.blogspot.com. Man, uh, my wife's a big fan of that, so I'll have to let her know that um, you guys talked about the Dresden Files. So you can check that out, man. Well, you do uh, that. I will. I will. Um, but no, I, I didn't even know that the Foul Sorcerers had a podcast. That's awesome, man. Congratulations to, to him and the gang and, and to you for being on that episode. And um, Neil, anything, um, anything of note? Microsoft, you're on notice. Well, Microsoft's on notice. All right. I'm sure they're shivering in their boots and their money. But, <laughs> but um. Check, please check out these websites when you get the chance. They will during the uh, the next uh, generation of consoles when they have to pay that big fee for the Blu-ray format. Woo! So, uh, yeah, that one's pretty good. Awesome. Could, could very well be. Um, 
Props out to my man in Miami, Austin. Nice. Well, well, check out these websites. Uh, MAHQ.net, of course, the Mecha and Anime Headquarters. Gundam.net for um, episode info, liner notes, and links to our social networking sites. Um, you can find us on iTunes. And, of course, um, reach us by email by sending us messages to GundamMAHQ at gmail.com. And that's all for episode 67 of Gundam at MAHQ. We'll see you guys next time. Can you find a way to get back from there? Huh? Oh my god, I felt like I was having a dream. Oh, oh, my body is aching. What I happened? was bruised all over my body because I had to fight naked. Mom told me I have bruises all over my body. Is there any connection to this? There is a war going on. Even dinosaurs are here. And they use bows and arrows. My sword is unbelievably dull. If you die over there, what will happen to me back here? I don't, I don't know, know whether, whether our body and mind are split. I don't know how we got separated, but I think we are still one person. We die together? Probably. No, it can't be true! I'm not joking. 12th and 13th century foreigners surround me. I must somehow make sense of our convoluted situations. If you say you're in an aura world, then I have to strengthen my mind. I must do chi, spiritual unification, and practice Zen meditation. I'm being chased by a real army! Huh? I know! I will do that here! Please, Please do, do so! so. Gundam at MHQ is a Shinjuku station in the MHQ production. I got some more information for you. Would you like to know who killed Kennedy? Yeah. Yes. Who killed Kennedy? You ready for the truth, America? Here it comes. Oswald killed Kennedy. That's right. Lee Harvey Oswald killed John F. Kennedy alone and by himself with a magic bullet. That's right, the bullet was actually magical. Magic does exist. We've known about this for some 2,000 years. I'm not finished yet. I have some more information that might startle you. The R. Kelly sex tape. That wasn't R. Kelly. It was me. That's right. I urinate on people when I have sex with them. I'm a disgusting human being and I apologize to the people who I've hurt and peed on. I bet you mine right there, didn't I? Well, I'm really on a roll and I don't care because the world's gonna end any day now. So I might as well introduce you to a good friend of mine, Bibble. Bibble, come on up. America, this is Bibble. Bibble is a space creature that lives very far away in a galaxy called Nebulon 5. And he is solely responsible for the wave of technology we've seen over the last few decades. Cell phones, pages, PlayStation 1 and 2. You might think it was the Japanese who were responsible, but anyone in the know knows that it was Bibble, for shizzle, and all about Bibble. Because only Bibble can keep it so real. Hey, uh, Bibble, is a spaceship ready? You ready to get out? Okay, me and Bibble are about to leave, but before we go, I just want to say there's no hope for the planet Earth. There's no way to stop the asteroid and you're all gonna die. Everyone except for me. And of course, Bibble, who's been so kind to let me accompany him on his spaceship. And I'm bringing those three cloned white women with me. Goodbye, America. I hope you all die in a fiery death when the meteor hits next Tuesday. Come on, Bibble, let's get out of here. Oh my God. Oh my God.